Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into the 200th edition of Bandwagon Nerds. That's right, kids. What started as a random three dudes talking about what it all means at Avengers Infinity War has now turned into a 200 episode podcast. And we have a full bandwagon plus so far to sh- start the show. We could have guests popping in and out. We put 10 people on this phone call to record this podcast. We got a couple of them here already, some special guests. We're going to get to them and introduce them in a second. But first, let's go through the panel, do our introductions. Welcome the OGs. We'll start with my original partner in crime who also spoke about Avengers Infinity War back when we were explaining how things work to a man no longer on the podcast. That's right, my good friend. The lawyer himself, David Ungar, the man who has made the most appearances on Bandwagon Nerds, has missed like three episodes total. Dave, how are you? This is like the um, Virginia Slims of podcasts. We've come a long way, baby. 200 episodes. <laughs> like, what? Show me you're 50 million years old without showing us you're 50 million years old. Oh, Jesus that's... Christ, that is so old, man. Plot life. That's. So old. that's... <laughs> That's the kind of ad you see in an old penthouse magazine. Like you turn, open it up. There's a cigarette ad right there. Back that's when, what back you, when that's, penthouse was in print. That's right. so. Back uh, when everything was in print. Dave right. remembers what what magazines were like I in do. print. Newspapers, yeah, exactly. Unfiltered cigarettes, he, all that fun stuff. So he um, he had a subscription to penthouse magazine. Shh, doctor doesn't need to know about that. Pat. Anyway, uh, it's Why? good to. It's good to be here Why on the doctor. A, not need to know. That? I don't, I don't understand there. Is it bad for your heart? Yeah, probably. But yeah, 200 episodes. You read man. the articles. I did. Some of them were good, but anyway, yeah, 200 episodes of this show. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, re, it's remarkable. It's, um, who would have thought that where we started, we would end up here <laughs> nearly five years later at this point. So it's, it's been true. tremendous, man. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. Hey, Hey, look at us. 
we're cool. Okay. I don't care what anybody right. else says about us. Also, here on the bandwagon, the guy with the longest bandwagon nerds appearance streak currently going on. He is known by many a monikers. Currently on this show, we basically call him Mr. Saturday Night. That's right, Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tunney, here on the program, as usual. Joe, not the Joe DiMaggio, the Lou Gehrig, the Cal Ripken of Bandwagon Nerds. Welcome to the show. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Well, it's not going to be it's not going to land as well, but PC Tony disease, who would have seen that coming? You would have thought. You have now surpassed David Ungar as the old man on the podcast, though, by not knowing how to unmute your microphone. So, good job. Yeah. Good job. It's that polite kicking me in the ass. It is. You know, you ready for, are you ready for the game this afternoon? You ready to, you ready to continue your winning streak? Dude, let's not do on this. On this all. Monday? Let's not, let's not do this all year, okay? Let's not, let's not meet. Do it all year. Do it all year. Uh, how how we're gonna lose and you're gonna tell me how we're gonna win? Let's not play that game all year. I'm just I'm not gonna fight history. You've got eight in a row, nine in a row on us. Like why would anything change? It's not like Aaron Rodgers suddenly became fun again and like now everybody magically loves him. And I think we're gonna you, got, you know Jordan Love quarterback. Honestly, I think we're gonna beat you by double digits. Just to be honest, I do. I think you're gonna beat us by double digits. The bias too, like, as a as a non biased football uh, fan. So there you go. As an honest and knows his team is still like four years away, football fan. Yeah, the Bears. The Bears are the Bears. So anyway, Tony, I uh, I, I picked the Bears just to just to. I wish I wish DJ Moore all the success in the world. I hope he does well. We also have the uh, divided attention, not the undivided, the divided attention <laughs> of one Raymond S. Cashington the thirty seventh. I'm sorry. No, 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 not little O'Dowd. Mute. Not you. Well, I'm also not divided. you, sir. I get. I guess. Oh, little O'Dowd, congratulations! We're gonna break your cherry right here. There you go, little O'Dowd. Cutting in, cutting in. It wasn't his turn. You just stole Ray's boo. You stole Ray's boo. That might have been the greatest thing that ever happened on the show. It was the greatest thing that ever happened on the show. But now we know you, that we you have got two to now. <laughs> got it now. Raymond S. Cashington Esquire is on the program. Little O'Dowd, I still love you. Don't don't hide from the camera. I still love you. Please come back. Please come back. Don't hide. I think I upset him. The quickest come exit in the history of bandwagon. There you go. No, I I, I no, think you, I heard his feelings. You just don't get to see me now. Oh, oh look, John Cena is our special guest today. There you go. He is such a snap. See, we're not we're not to the section of the podcast where POD attacks you guys for two two weeks, but we're we're getting there. Uh, anyway, just kidding. I'm not going to attack you too hard. Raven S. Cashington Esquire, the thirty seventh. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Happy 200. Only 199 booze to go before the show is out. We're going to get 200 booze for Ray Cash. Hey, Ray, with that's with, fine. I'm just wondering. 36 previous uh, relatives were Esquires. So what happened to you, man? I, I just, I don't know, man. What happened? You ever seen that show where they sit with that dude who does genealogy, like the uh, celebrities, oh, okay. and they tell him like you're. Yeah, that's Patrick for me. Patrick is my genealogist, apparently. <laughs> One of those genes is missing. <laughs> and for the record, um, happy 200. I really got to love y'all for my favorite team to be playing my hometown team, and I'm on the call. whoop de doo Tony? You, you, you would be the same way if your team was playing right now. 198 boos to go. 198 boos to go. for having the that's only right. successful team on the call. Team's winning. 197 right boosts to go. 197 boosts to go. Wait, 
Because it's going to be more food than we got talking, a- I can tell you now. Uh, all right. Anyway, we do have a couple of. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's 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 keep the show going. It is a 200th episode. We don't want it to be 200 hours long. If Craig DeMarco shows up on the podcast, uh, we'll need to make sure that it, it extends even longer. But we do have a couple of other very special guests on here from the outside. One, a voice we have not heard in ages: the Velvet Pipes of Christopher Platt. Dude, it has been a very long time since I have seen you on any podcast, heard you on any podcast. So I am pleased to see you come out of semi-retirement and fatherhood and whatever it is you're doing these days to talk to us on our 200th episode. Welcome back to the program. It's been a while, but now I'm back. You boys got planned. Like, bro, I, I could not be here. Oh, excuse me. I'm rusty. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hey, Thank hey, you. hey, Jesus. I could not be here for not not be here for 200, man. That is a hell of a milestone, and I'm proud of you guys. But now here's the drive-by. Odell, congratulations to you. The Chicago Bears are now under new ownership. That's very cool. Um, you should be excited about that. Aaron Rodgers no longer owns the Bears, so congratulations to you about that. Tunney. You've had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, so now you're going to see what the other side lives like, kind of like Mel Brooks and Life Stinks. Ray, cry me a flipping river. You, you, you Mellon Farmers, basically got to buy the first week. You play the worst team in the NFL. I mean, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And Dave? Talk I, about I new, mean, talk about new really ownership. Say, what, what do I really have to say? Like, that's it. We know it's team. He's the C-words. What else does there need to be? It's nothing but optimism, Chris. Dan, Danny boy left town. We got real ownership and nobody has had sewage rained on them in the first half so far. So it's a good day in Washington. We'll, we'll see, man, because, you know, Riverboat is on borrowed time right now. That's why they brought in Bienemy. And he knows it. That's why he's been talking crazy all preseason. He knows the deal. He knows the vibes. My, uh, my favorite meme so far, I don't know if it's even a meme. It was just a, a Twitter statement, by the way, was a, uh, after the Chiefs loss uh, on Thursday, somebody posted up, I wonder how they're going to find a way to blame Eric Bieniemy for losing this game when he's not even there. Like, just great, great stuff. Because that dude, fascinating. Fascinating how that dude has been maligned for, for, do, for being good at his job. Uh, but anyway, we have one other, one, one other special guest here who has been very absorbed in playing some sort of, I don't even know the name of it, cookie baking video game on his laptop but the voice of reason within the o'dowd household the little o'dowd himself present and accounted for thank you for coming on to our 200th episode little o'dowd what anything you got to say what do you want to tell us what you doing no no not much not much that, that's what, I'm what doing. Tell, tell us about okay so real quick because i know you've got you've got a very busy schedule what are you what are you playing on the laptop? What is this game that you're clicking furiously that we get? Yeah, there it is. I hear it. click, 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 click. What are we clicking? A What's cookie, it called? What's the clicker. name of the game? Cookie Clicker. That's the name of the game? Legitimately. And what do you do in Cookie Clicker, sir? You click a cookie. I get it. But why? What is the point? What are you trying to do? What is the goal, sir? Get more cookies so that you can buy more upgrades so that you can get more cookies so that you can buy more upgrades so that you can get more cookies. Just a reminder, you should always reject cookies on your browser, sir. Reject the cookies. That's how the man follows you. And you get targeted ads. So watch out for that. Anyway, uh, just wanted to have him on for a moment to give me a hard time. 
totally up to the little O'Dowd how long he stays. Same thing with Christopher Platt. I hope he stays for a little bit. We are. He's already waving goodbye. Um, no, no, no. no I'm oh. just saying. I, I got to be honest, man. The the game cookie clicker, it sounds like one of those sites that you probably need a parental advisory pin to get to. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Well, I do get a notification via Gmail every time a new game is added on this the Little O'Dowd's Chromebook. Uh, we've, we've had approved games all the way through on the old Chromebook. Mostly harmless. If you're making cookies, I think you're okay. Uh-huh. Gentlemen, I know you guys wanted me wanted like some grand special 200th episode like plan. And, and basically, I'm just going to shoot that down. There's no special episode today. Just special guests who may sprinkle in throughout the, the program at different points. We are going to continue our review of Ahsoka, which is my first go-around talking about Ahsoka. Uh, I'm excited to hear how much Ray has not watched the show. It's It's been very good. Uh-oh, uh-oh, fingers up. Did you I watch the show? Episode one this morning. We're on episode four, so okay, we're getting there. Uh, I'll be excited about next little, week, but it's, it's little, been so You're far. now ahead of the Little O'Dowd. Little O'Dowd, tell, me what you told, tell them what you told me when I was like, hey, do you want to watch Ahsoka? That silence is how he responded. He's muted. No, I don't think he was talking. He's staring at Oh, Oh, he turned the camera off. He's away. Yes, he was like, no thanks. Christopher Platt, do I even need to ask? Have you been watching Ahsoka? What do you think? No, I just had real, I had a lot of trouble trying to click the unmute button. Got you. What did you tell everybody when I asked you if you wanted to watch Ahsoka? No. Can I ask why? Why no? Because I'm not interested. And that is in-depth analysis from the little O'Dowd. But before we go, we got a full trailer park this week. We are going to talk about Christopher Platt's favorite subject, the I was right moment that Christopher Platt had regarding the writers and actors strike that is coming in the back half of the program. He's already waving his hands in joy uh, when he screamed at us over and over here. Let me see if I can get this right. What about the content creators? Content creators. That was Christopher Platt. No, 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 no. Okay, that was, yes, but don't try to sit up here and act like I ha- I didn't have the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, Bruce Leroy, all three of you melon farmers at the same damn time. And then I... Oh, we lost. We lost him. What happened? <laughs> Shit. I, did. I wanted what to ask... I, I, will... not be muted. I will not be denied. I won't. I'm I... right. Just, just another example of the white man keeping the black man down as I mute Christopher And we Platt always find a way. We always find a way. I will rise. Do, do, you, do you have a spiritual to Patrick. sing or something now? Patrick. Do you need to hold hands <laughs> to the ray? Uh, 200 are episodes. You, are you going to march, march hey. on the bandwagon? Is that what this is? March on the bandwagon? Tony, the title of this episode. Mm-hmm. Title of this I'm episode. marching on the bandwagon. Patrick, that's funny, but this is more effective. TheChairShot.com. Always. Use your head. 200, right. all, right. 200 episodes now, of oppression. That's what the title is. We're going to take away your medals, gentlemen. That's what's going to happen now. now anyway. Now, Brother Ray give y'all the full moon in solidarity. He wouldn't grab the black glove and the black That is outstanding. Right on. Right on. <laughs> so, okay, now that we have thoroughly made all of the audience uncomfortable, uh, let's get into... Uh, the back half of the show, we're actually, you absolutely are going to talk about some strikes, may, some strike news, maybe a silver cloud. I don't know. Dave's got salt shakers at the ready on a news thing that released today. I'm a little opti- more optimistic, but we'll get to that. I've been gone for a couple weeks, guys. Uh, as everybody knows, 
I've been away from the show doing my UMass thing, getting the kids all moved in. It's two, I would say it's honestly two of the most stressful weeks that I experienced yearly where like it impacts my ability to sleep. I'm away from my family a lot. I'm away from podcasting. I just don't have time. The two best sleeps that I get every year are the Saturday and Sunday after UMass move-in is done, which is why I begged out of last week's show. I, I just, I did not have it in me. I thought I was going to have it in me, but I was just, I was so done mentally. I just wanted nothing in my brain. And so I spent the last two days, or those two days while I was away from y'all and Labor Day, one, watching the University of Illinois survive a football game against Toledo, which should have been a nice warning that they were going to shit the bed against Kansas on Friday, which they did. Go team, we're back to being awful. Um, but while I was working UMass Move-In, my PlayStation 5, my newly acquired PlayStation 5, downloaded Baldur's Gate 3, a game I have been highly anticipated, very excited for, trying to save up and get a second controller for the PS5 so it's a little O'Dowd and I can start a multiplayer co-op campaign on Baldur's Gate 3. It's taken me a little bit longer to get the Mrs. O'Dowd on board of spending the $60 for a fucking second controller. 60 if you don't get a fancy one. I've looked it up. When's your, I got when's it. your birthday, I got you. Pat? I got, I, I'll get you it for your birthday. My, mine is in May. The little O'Dowd's is in February. Christmas is closer than our birthdays. As it is, the game itself is, I love it. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. I've played through basically the act one of the game gotten to a point where I'm having all this fun, but I actually want to restart the game as as I feel like there are things that I could have done differently. Like you learn the ramifications of decisions and you're like, maybe I should go back. Um, I didn't do that. I haven't done that. I'll keep this one campaign going, but I may create a second character just for funsies. Um, that's basically what I did last weekend. And now I'm back here today, ready to podcast and, and talk about some things about, you know, stuff I noticed while we were gone. One, uh, gentlemen, I know Disney's in some shit right now. Uh, Disney's going to be fine. Like, whether or not they get sold to Apple or not, like, Disney's going to be fine. Disney's going to exist. It's an IP that will exist forever, even if it's under a different umbrella. Uh oh, David Ungar um, was a little hyperbolic. No, I'm just kidding. There was, uh, you know, there's stock, stock news dropped. Bob Iger is still a Bond villain in this whole thing. Like, he has not been a good guy throughout this whole process. And that is, that is absolutely right and correct. But, uh, you know, I'm not sweating Disney for doing what other companies are doing with their streaming services. Everybody's selling their IPs to everybody else right now. Uh, Amazon hasn't quite jumped in there yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and I think the big difference, you know, just kind of some of these other streaming services versus Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney is the is the companies themselves. Like their their IPs are things that have value outside of their own companies. So there is value in selling Batman to Amazon for a period of time and then turning around and selling Batman to Paramount Plus or you know Peacock. Hell, even Par Paramount does this too with its own properties. Like the Mission Impossible movies have been on other platforms. They're just currently on Paramount Plus. And it wouldn't surprise me if after the latest Mission Impossible run is done, they don't get sold elsewhere as well. So it's alarming but Dave, as a shareholder in Disney, I think you're going to be okay. Like you'll you'll get your money oh, back. For, yeah, look, as a shareholder in Disney, even if they sell to Apple, I will be selling 
at a profit. So yes, I'm. Which, I am not. Which, by the way, that. as a shareholder for Disney, can I get because uh, Magic Key passes aren't available anymore? Can you work your shareholder channels and get me uh, a, a Magic or a pass? Let of me some sort let me delegate Disney? that to the smarter member of my household, the uh, the wife who is also a Disney Cur- shareholder and a Magic Pass key holder and. And current, yeah, currently there are no magic pass keys available. Really? Uh, are for sale. Yeah. They, they shut down the one that was still for sale for now. So no magic. That means they're sold out in limiting numbers is all. However, lost in all this, it, I do we got D 23 or whatever variation is going on this weekend. Yeah. All kinds of great news. Little doubt. And I did get our annual passes for Disney world though. Came with a sweet, sweet magnet. It was very nice. I'm very excited. I can go to Disney whenever I want you guys. But when are you coming to California? Yeah. When are you guys coming to California? Lana? We should go to California, shouldn't we, Little O'Dowd? We should go to we should go yes. to Disneyland. Absolutely. He's and check board. out the OG Haunted Mansion. Because uh, that's that's the right of choice, right? The Little Pirates, O'Dowd? the Pirates of Car- the Caribbean that doesn't yeah. suck. You need to do that one. Also, better Pirates I want to leave now. You want to leave now? All right. Well, then, goodbye, Little O'Dowd. Have fun playing your cookie clicker game. Thanks for coming on to our 200th episode. We appreciate you, and I love you. Okay, bye. Silence. Just no, no, no selling. The, no selling the love from dad. That was. <laughs> That's fine. Um, let's see. Uh, I know you guys needed to process Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. Uh, I don't know. We have a whole network of wrestling shows, so I get it. I get it. We were all in our feelings. Uh, Is that what I have to look forward to in roughly 10, 11 years? Yeah. When he's so, here's what's going to happen, Platt. Is when he's eleven. Uh, so until he's until he's about nine or ten, you'll be the shit. Like all about you. He'll he'll be wanting he want to do everything with you. He now that he's a between, he still likes doing stuff with me, but it's not it's not the it's not the fun cuddly stuff. Like right now, it's like oh I love you, I want to give you hugs. Now it's like I want to play. He plays Dungeons and Dragons with me with my friends, which is great. He loves going to the movies with me still, but. Even so, even like we every Friday or Saturday night, like once every weekend, we do what we call a sleepover where we would hang out downstairs. He gets to stay up late. We would pull out the like sleeper sofa bed, watch, fall asleep, wake up. Now, sleepover is he just stays up in his room and plays video games and watches videos on his Kindle until midnight. And I say, Come, we're going to bed. And then he comes down and he sleeps, you know, and we do sleepover that way. But like, whatever, as long as he still wants you know, the attention and to be involved. Like I'm, I'm leaning into the video games thing because he's very much like, that's his passion. He wants to be a developer. Like that's, that's what he talks about. We're sending, we're sending him to coding camps and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it really does change. It really does change. He, uh, he enjoys going to Disney with us, like Disney world. Uh, he's gotten into pin collecting like Disney pins. Uh, there is pin trading. He's never really done trading uh, yet. But he, you know, there, you just gotta you just gotta watch what his passions are and encourage those to grow and be involved in those to keep that relationship strong and to kind of be the same as you did. I'm just sad that my kid does not he's not a sports guy at all, which is really hard for me as a raised on the Bears, the Cardinal, like you know, was raised on the big three sports, and he just no, not even a little bit. I, I hear that a lot, man, with parents that are sports fans, you know, male and female. And their children couldn't give two shits. So that's funny, man, the way that just the generations are just shifting and their interests lie elsewhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, I mean, he's his own person and I'm proud of him for it. Like, I love him for it. He, 
you know, he he lo- he comes on the show every once in a while to talk about movies that we've gone and seen that the bandwagon cares about. Gives his uh, critique. I, th- I loved his critique of The Flash, where his biggest problem with The Flash movie was the way Ezra Miller runs as The Flash and how he hated his hand motions and how stupid they look. By the way, available for streaming on Max if you want to lose two and a half hours of your life and never get it back. You can check out The Flash on Max. It wasn't that bad. The the, 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 the CGI terrible. the CGI and the special effects definitely left something to be desired. But storyline wise, and maybe I'm I was just in my nostalgic feels, man, and it was great to see Michael. Well, well, tread tread lightly, tread lightly. Here's here's the funniest thing about that episode. The funniest thing about that episode where we talked about the Flash, I was the kindest to the movie. Tony and Dave were yeah. like you can see, like look at Tony's head. But Dave and Tony were very very angry with that film. And I don't, Ray, were you even on that episode? I don't even know if you were on that episode. I wasn't on that episode. Um, I think I was, I was out somewhere. Um, but I hadn't even seen it yet. But I've seen it since. And my direct, my direct words to Tony and Dave were, if you, if you take away the fact and accept that it is not Flashpoint, and take away all of that, it's a decent move. The fact that's if fair. you're looking at it trying to adapt Flashpoint, it's god awful. That that's fair, but you you can't you couldn't do Flashpoint because the the main emotional arc of Flashpoint was the whole Thomas Wayne thing, and if you do that, then you steer too into the skin and it becomes a Batman movie, not a Flash movie. Hot take though, hot take. It was better than Quantum Mania. No, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. get out of here. No. It was better than no. now, now, again the CGI, and it falls apart in the third act. And the CGI definitely leaves something to to be desired because Amber tapped out. It, you know, within the first 10 minutes when he was out there at the at Gotham Hospital trying to catch the babies and put them in the microwave. Like, it's horrible. But in terms of storyline and whatnot, I, yeah. Honestly, yeah, it, it that moment, that, that whole scene, like, that happened and I was like, no, no. What? I, uh, I don't understand that, but I'm going to let it go. Um, we we are not here. We're not here yeah, to criticize. Not, we're not here to talk Flash. We're not rehash no, we're, we're, Flash we're again. It's my, it's my mistake. I brought it up. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll walk away from that. What we are going to do is we are going to ask Dave to post-produce some Star Wars music, which I don't know if you guys have been doing that. I've sort of half listened to the Ahsoka reviews as we get into Ahsoka episode four. So Dave, it makes if you feel, please. Makes you feel good, huh, Tony and Ray? We're half, half-assing the reviews. I've been fucking busy, fellas. You know what I've been up to. Like, you know. Y'all know. I played your damn... I, I, play, I gave us the download, damn it. I gave us the download. Anyway... I have not talked about Ahsoka at all, so we're going to play this fucking music, and then we're going to talk about Ahsoka, and you're going to like it. So play the music, Dave! I'm okay. Okay. I love the Dave. You went all Janet yeah. Reno there. Play my song. Come on. It's a really great song, you guys. I really like that song. Messed up. Messed up song. All right. So here we are, episode four. Uh, Dave, I know, has reflected a couple of my feelings about the first uh, couple of episodes of Ahsoka, where Sabine. I and I'm going to say this. I've watched Rebels. I watched Rebels from beginning to end. I'm familiar with these characters. I, I know a lot of 
who these characters are and where they left off. Uh, I I will say this. If I had been on the show, I would have made a prediction that was wrong. Uh, because one of the things that I was really hopeful, uh, that other dude with the like the spinning lightsaber, I really wanted that to be Ezra Bridger under the mask and just be like, a, what? And it wasn't. So disappointment. Touch down somebody. Uh, but you know, and, and I still have questions about what that thing was as like weird smoke or gas like seeped out of it when Ahsoka hit it. Uh, so I'm going to actually lean to my Star Wars mythology guy, Dave. Any idea what was going on with that? Like with the weird like black smoke or whatever that came out of there? Because that makes me wonder if that thing's really dead yeah, or what I, that I, is. I know the theory that it was Ezra under the mask was very popular. And obviously, well, I say obviously, but nothing's really that obvious yet. But yeah, I don't know. I don't right. know what that was. I'm not sure what was going on there. Platin, uh, Platin, also, Platin, Ray are having fun about something, right? This football game. Well, are there are there teams playing each other in football? No, they're is that not. They're, they're, oh. but they're both. That, I don't actually know who's playing who. So I know the no, Ravens. No. Who are the Ravens playing? I think we played what see is it week three or four, right? Yeah, we played like week three or four, I believe. Yeah, but the Ravens are playing Houston, which is why um you see I'm so distracted because why that's it's Houston, but it's my hometown yes. team. But it's Houston. But like, I live here. This is my hometown I get team. It. I get it, but Houston's trash. Like I, I, I don't really got anything to worry about. Bro. We could be playing the goddamn banana slugs of fucking Santa Cruz. It's my hometown team, so I get to talk to people in my city about us beating their ass. That don't happen. Te- all. Technically, all right. technically, your hometown team is the, the Titans, but that's neither here nor there. As it is, we'll get back to Ahsoka real quick. So let's let's get a little caught up because you know I I didn't necessarily have a problem with a recycled fine Luke Skywalker point. Plot point with the fine Grand Admiral Thrawn plot point. I, you know, they needed a way to to get us there. I suppose uh, it makes it actually makes a hell of a lot more sense than it did in the Force Awakens trilogy because it was just sort of there was a lot unexplained in the Force Awakens that that you could get away you couldn't get away away from in doing the show. I did have a big big issue with the and I still kind of do uh, have an issue with the portrayal of Sabine. In particular, and I don't know if it's just because I love the character and this is, as Greg would call it, or Greg DeMarco would call it, a playlist mentality sort of thing where what I want for this character and what I hope for for this character isn't really happening. But seeing her just be this unbelievably uncertain, unconfident character is so counter to what I'm used to seeing out of the character from the cartoon, from the animated series. Like Sabine was, like her introduction was great with her just sort of going against what people expect of her and expectations. But then to see her just sort of be this like lost frightened dove for four episodes now where she's just so desperate for, I don't know what that she's, you know, caving to the dark, not even the dark side guy, but caving to the kind of the quote unquote villain. She's doing the things that just are not what I would know her character to do or have known her character to do has been a little bit challenging. Um, all that said, after I got past sort of the whiny, angsty Jedi thing that it seemed that both Ahsoka and Sabine have been going through through three episodes, and we got to the actual like training montages and starting to get Sabine and Ahsoka's relationship rebuilt, I've appreciated the show a little bit more. I don't know that I'm fully on board. I thought that this episode, this fourth episode, which was a lot of trying to recover this map, you know, Ahsoka, Sabine, and I can't remember the droid's name, are crash-landed on the planet. Ooh, yeah. 
Wu Yang are, you know, crash landed on this planet. Wu Yang's trying to repair the ship. They know that, uh, you know, the, the forces are, the force of evil are after them. They try to head it off. And, you know, we get this, we get this big bad guys get away moment, which you, you kind of need. And, and we get our first sort of major lightsaber combat between Ahsoka and I'm going to forget. I'm, I'm everybody drink. It's the, it's the drinking game where Patrick forgets everybody's name. Ray Winston's character, the oh, Balin. Yeah. Skull. Yeah. Balin. Like we get that first battle between the Lord two Balin. of them. And it's a matter of a, a distraction that keeps, you know, Sabine distracting, uh, Ahsoka briefly that allows him to get the upper hand. And you perceive Ahsoka to be like knocked off of this cliff. We learn that she has not landed at the bottom of the cliff, but she is in this other realm where, and we'll talk about that a little bit when Dave gets back, but he, you know, she lands in this sort of outer dimension where she encounters a horribly de-aged Hayden Christensen slash Anakin Skywalker that seems to indicate that she may be out of like, I'm worried we're going multiversal here and I don't, know how i feel about that but that's kind of the big like cliffhanger that we're left at at the end of you know here she is face to face with her old master uh despite like i said being like the de-aging technology notwithstanding is um you know it's a big moment people are really excited for it so those are my sort of initial just sort of recap tony what stood out to you in episode four of ahsoka so Merrick is the person is the is the dual circle middle lightsaber dude right former inquisitor right. that's all i know um, but I wrote down a few things while I was watching it just so I would remember. Why does Hera's son go with her? I think she just takes him everywhere. Oh, like, I, I really uh, do think that's just part of it. Uh, she is this, she, you know, it's her, the father is okay. a character who died in Rebels, who was a Jedi. Okay. So he's force sensitive, I, by the way. Oh, he, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, then that makes sense how we're going to finish this. Um, who Yang reminds me of Alfred and Sabine and Ahsoka remind me of Batman and Robin. I'll just say that in a lot of ways, <laughs> especially Hu Yang, when he says, you know, the warning to you guys are at your best when you're together, stuff like that. Um, right. And then one of the things I disliked, uh, what Sabine and Ahsoka are running through the forest and they're like, oh, hey, there's American Chin. Perfect. That's, you know, that's exactly what we needed to happen here. And that kind of seemed really obvious and lazy. Um I've talked Sometimes about shows I'm, have to be. I know. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. These are things I thought when I was watching it. You know, uh, Rosario Dawson hasn't really been the best. Done the best job at Ahsoka to me. I'm she's growing on me. But when she gets into a battle, her facials are great. Like she's like turns into this predator that enjoys the challenge, enjoys attacking people. Like look at her face when she faces adversity when she has to draw the saber. It's it's a job really well done in my opinion. Um, right. And then yeah, when uh, when her kids says, "Mom, I have a bad feeling," I was like, "No shit, dude." <laughs> there yeah, there should I be mean, no Rosario Dawson slander on these airwaves, sir. She's I, phenomenal in everything she's in, including her best role acting as Cory Booker's girlfriend. Hey, anyway. <laughs> I'm still enjoying the series. It's not the best thing ever. Um, yeah. It might be like above, like I, I'm kind of in the, in the middle about it. I like a lot of parts of it. Maybe not as bad as you were about Boba Fett, but it's, it's no Mandalorian or, or anything else. I think it's that's, kind of, that's a step right. I really hated book of Boba Fett. You did. Uh, one, one other thing. 
I got to I got to say this and I know you guys touched on it briefly. This is from episode 3. I uh this is Patrick O'Dowd and it wouldn't be a Patrick an episode uh where I review a show and don't talk about something I hate. I hated the spaceship lightsaber uh when it when Ahsoka's oh, on with the, the mask of the ship. and everything the kind of mimicking I movie. I just hated that. I thought it was stupid. What? And then what at the end like Ahsoka she didn't die. She's alive. What, what was their interpretation there? Or is this a dream or what? It, what so what? this is, this is a callback to rebels. So this is, this is what I was getting at. So in star Wars rebels and I'm trying to find, I shared an article and I can't find it right now in our chat. So I'm trying to find it elsewhere, but basically there is this, it, and it's a new, it's a piece of the force is what is the way they, they try to go with this, where it's, it's an outside dimension. Uh, that allows you to kind of go through all time and space as far as part of the um, sorry, Ahsoka, doing it wrong. Um, and because of this, because of this extra dimensional thing, this is why I was talking about my worry about like multiverse. Is there's this idea that she could be basically outside of any of the dimensions that that are going that are experiencing and kind of go back to any point in time like that she could go back in time to different points because in star wars rebels like you can see uh and here it is i'm finding it uh like you you can see like they they revisit moments that's how ahsoka sees what anakin does in clone wars is she ends up in this uh she ends up in this a place that is, is this is how ezra gets to her uh, and rescues her. It's the world between worlds, right? right? Yeah, and, the world between worlds. Uh, the very fabric. Of, it's it exists outside the very fabric of time and space. I finally found the article, um, and so it's just it's. It also has the gateway between worlds. It would allow whoever gained access to the plane to manipulate specific moments in time if they chose to. Do. So Ahsoka is going to have an opportunity to manipulate time, and that's the other big question is. Why why is this version of Anakin in there and what the hell is he doing? I, I like this less now. I told you I was gonna worry about it. It's just lazy. I worry about this. It is. It's it's and it's also like I said, whether it's multiversal or time travel, like I, I just I don't know I don't know what it's all gonna mean. And I don't hate this show. I'm just I'm interested to see where it's gonna take us. Dave, you, you had to step away for a minute, you're back here. Give us your thoughts on episode four. Well, I thought this was the best episode of the series so far. I think it had the most, it had the, what, Tony? It was a good episode. You're right. Yeah, I was it, just, it had, it had the, the most, first. cause I, yeah, I didn't hear the first part of the conversation. It had the most action. The fight between uh, Balin and Ahsoka was, you know, kind of what I th- was hoping for. Although Ahsoka got her ass kind of kicked there a little bit. Um, Sabine kind of, sort of. Do you, yeah, but do you think the, that the, her worrying about Sabine more caused yes. that? The yeah, loss? I, yeah, exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't. And you know, I don't think Balin was going. You know, full balls to the wall either. They were both. They were both kind of holding back a little bit. Um, you know, I think. I think the big thing about it is is Sabine basically aligning with uh, with Balin at the end of this thing because of her desire to get Ezra Brat back, even at the expense of the rest of the universe. And and that's. That kind of ties into a lot of what I know, you know, Patrick's been concerned about her character, what a lot of us say, okay, you're too wrapped up in your emotions. You can't be a Jedi if you've got all this attachment, um, you know, and she's still trying to grasp the force. But I, I do, I, you know, the world between worlds I, aspect of things is is interesting 
to be sure because we saw how Ezra manipulated that um, in Rebels. And yeah, the big question is why is Anakin there? Why is that version of Anakin there? And, and why is, you know, he's a, he's one with the force. He's a force ghost. And that didn't look like that. So yeah, what are they, what are they going to do as far as some sort of time travel is involved? Where are they going to go? What exactly is, is, you know, is happening and Oh, look at that. So I, I like the episode the most. Uh, I think, you know, we saw the hyperspace ring, whatever the hell it was going towards this new galaxy. So that's being expanded. But I did, and I don't know, Pat, if you want me to make the comment about Morgan that I made to you. It's like, what is going on with her forehead? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Tony knows it. I'm like, what is this tattoo that looks like a little teeny dick on I, her forehead? I don't know what that is. I, I mean, I, I haven't. Uh, I know really what it is. Bothered by it. It's it's a dick for. Oh Jesus! What's Christ. a dick for? Nanny? I know. Stop it! Please, just stop it. Ray, no, you never heard that than... before. <laughs> Can we say hi to our other guest? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna let it go. I'm just gonna leave that be. Let it lie. Walk it away. Um, Perfect timing. DP joining us for episode 200. Everyone, welcome the scientist himself pulling up the ship. The Lego version of Ahsoka's ship. Uh, Does it spin? Does the do the wings rotate? That's the first question. And then we'll actually Uh, welcome you on the show in earnest. Gonna say the the wings do rotate. That looks amazing. So everyone, as you may have heard, this is another one of our bandwagon members, the scientist himself. It's him. It's him. It's DPP. Welcome to the 200th episode of Bandwagon Nerds, sir, from your basement studio. It looks nice down there. Absolutely amazing. 200 episodes. I mean, you can't spell 200 episodes without DP, so I had to show up. That's just science. It is science. And from a scientist, you have to trust and believe that. So I believe we're ba- we're currently talking about Ahsoka right now, and now Tony's feeling a little uncertain about where that show is going. I am feeling a little uncertain about where that show is going as well. And yet, it's it's they haven't done anything outside of what has appeared in Star Wars before. Uh, Dave, what do you think? What do you think? Anakin Skywalker is it a real Anakin Skywalker? Is it a Force Ghost Anakin Skywalker? I think it's a real Anakin Skywalker. I don't know i don't you know looking at where they are the dimension she's in um if it's real anakin then how did he get there and it raises the question is he trapped between the world in the world between worlds at some point in time that maybe hadn't been explored in clone wars or you know i mean seven seasons i'm sure there's stuff that could have been missing but i mean that's the only thing i could think of if it's a real anakin skywalker then at some point in time he accessed this dimensional plane, but he clearly knows who Ahsoka is because he calls her Snips. And yep. I don't know. I think I, my guess is it's a Force ghost. If it's really him, that kind of raises some <laughs> a lot of questions. Well, I worry that it's really him. And then, as I mentioned while you were away, I, I'm worried we're doing a Star Wars multiverse, that we are creating two different realities here. And we, said, and... we said that 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 might explain the absence of Ahsoka of din of some of these major characters from the sequel trilogy unless you're just going to assume like the other prevailing theory is that somewhere along the way they came to this reality and got wiped out which seems unlikely right thrawn would get wiped out and then fucking snoke would be the one to take over who couldn't even sense lightsabers about to cut him in half in last jedi this is the guy who defeats grand admiral thrawn i don't buy that yeah i don't know i don't know i just have a bad to quote star wars vernacular i have a bad feeling about this so We'll have to we'll have to see what goes on. 
TP, did you are you watching Ahsoka? Have you been following that at all? Uh, before I move on to our commercial break and go to the trailer park, I have not. I'm I'm more of a binge guy and try and wait till the episodes are all out and then I watch it at that point. That's fair. You know what I you know what I binged this this morning? Every episode of season four of Harley Quinn, also on Max. It took a while for that show to get going. It it's hitting a good place. Check it out. Still a couple episodes left. Yeah, I'll, I'm a thumbs up. But uh, it'll take. It takes a little bit to kind of find its feet. It takes about four episodes before it really starts to gain traction. It's not bad. They're not bad episodes. It just it took me a bit to be like, where are you going? Season's not done yet, by the way. So for those of you who like to binge, you might want to keep waiting because there's still a couple episodes to go. But uh, it's gone. It's gone pretty awesome and dark late. Okay, so we refresh my memory. Ahsoka is six episodes. Is that correct, or is it eight? It's eight. Oh, so we're only halfway through Ahsoka. So we got four episodes to go. Does it segue? Does it just segue right into Loki? Is that is that how this works? <laughs> Straight like the series just cross over or just mean time wise? No, 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 no. I'm just saying like as they kind of do their release schedule thing because Loki is in October. I think it's like yeah. October sixth. There might be. Yeah, there. I there think might there be might like be an overlap. In, in, yeah, there might be a week or two in between. I think. Oh no, right. no, well, no, that's not right. No, but. that's exactly how it's going to happen because you got to keep people tuned in. That's exactly how it's going to happen because the the networks are doing this now because you know there there's a lot of uh, I don't want to say multiverses but there are a lot of multiverses and the shows just overlap and keep you tuned in so yeah that's how it's going to happen. What is Loki the fifth or the twelfth or are they moving that to Tuesday as well because yeah Ahsoka's done the first week of October. It's listed as debuting on the sixth of October right now on the trailers that they've shared. But if Disney follows its pattern and does the Tuesday thing instead of the Wednesday thing like they did with Ahsoka. It, the it's final episode, the first episode, would be like yeah. the same day. It's not going to be right. All right, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We'll be back next week to talk more about Ahsoka as it progresses. We're going to take our first commercial break, and we come back, head into a five trailer strong trailer park today. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds 200. We got Patrick O'Dowd. We got Ray Cash. We got PC Tony. We got David Ungar. We got the scientist DPP and the Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt, all still here for episode 200. We're jumping into a trailer park. Uh, I uh, did not. Um, I uh, I did not um, share the um, rundown with with the scientist or, or Christopher Platt. So I um, I am I'm going to assume. Um, and I didn't um, know. I, um, I didn't know. I didn't know or expect Chris to come on. No offense, Chris meant. <laughs> None taken, but I checked my email not only late last night before I went to bed, but first thing this morning when I woke up expecting to see a rundown in there. Did not. By the way, Dan the man. What's up, brother? Good to see you, man. Dan has the rundown, though. Great to see you, Chris. Love you. Well, so I'll put the, too, I actually brother. had no too, idea man. who all was on the guest list, to be honest, because I left it all like Dave. I, this is an actual conversation. Dave was like, do we want to, do we, what do we want to do? Do we want to try and get, uh, you know, an interview? And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't know. You know. Let's just try to get people who've been on the show. Let's just sort of celebrate us a little bit. And Dave's like, okay, I'll take care of that. And so I let Dave take care of it. And then I never bothered to ask like who we actually got and really didn't pay attention to it until musical chairs today. Tony had messaged me about DP. Uh, I had hoped we were going to be on the show plan, but without confirmation, I just didn't know. And so I apologize. No, no worries. But to be fair, you're consigliere. My wise man. Yes. No, he did not. My wise man reached out to me in the middle of the week to confirm that I was going to be on today. So don't 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 throw Dave under the bus at all. All I'll say is, Chris, you can probably guess the context of a lot of these trailers we're going to talk about. You know, Patrick's taste in movies and it's it's a very Patrick heavy trailer part. in, In fairness, you know, the forward button does work on email. It does. It does. That's true. You, you oh, heard, I didn't, I didn't, oh, there will be no besmirching of my wise man slash consigliere. As, as the host of this show, as as the tribal <laughs> chief the wrong show, of this show, I will besmirch whoever I damn well please. We're, like, we're, have you been gone works. for the last two weeks? Have you been gone for the last two weeks? I have because I'm yeah. Roman Reigns. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. show up until I feel nope. like it. Nobody's here to see you, Otis. Nobody came to see you. Yep. Anyway, so Trailer Park now up and running. Dave, before we get running with the trailer park, let's go ahead and play that beautiful banjo. Yes, this is a very Patrick O'Dowd-centric trailer park. These are, like, Tony's already making the face. But I, I guess it's just how you look. I, I suppose it could just be how you look. Yeah, it's, there's that. Uh, resting Tony face. Resting PC face. That's what we'll call it. Uh, but anyway, five trailers strong. I, I'm just throwing shade at everybody. It's fun. I got to share 
I picked this first trailer. It's spooky season, by the way. Spooky season, you know, like summer's over. Halloween time has come up. Tony is a big fan of horror movies. So I had to put a couple of horror films on here at the top. I'm actually very interested in the second one. Uh, I don't, I, you know, the first one I, I had to put out because Eli Roth, as a joke, Eli Roth of Hostel, Cabin Fever, you know, king of body horror fame, uh, put out a joke trailer about a Thanksgiving-themed horror movie that got so much attention that we are now making a Thanksgiving-themed horror film, a good old-fashioned slasher film that takes place in a small town on Thanksgiving. I really hope that the poster that they show up of a dude in a pilgrim hat with a big knife is the culprit because that just sounds delightful. And I, this is Eli Roth doing what looks to me like what he does best. Just straight up, not a lot of thought involved, hack and slash, gore galore, surrounded by Thanksgiving. It's a time for family. It's time for family. Tony, it's a time for family. Thanksgiving. Watch it's- it in 3D on IMAX. Yeah, 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 yeah. On screen X, you get uh, three quarters of the walls are surrounding you. Um, it's an interesting premise because who doesn't, you know, have the family fights at the big Thanksgiving get togethers, right? That's like one of the big ones. Um, one of my favorite parts of the trailer is the dunk you in the hot water and stick you to the freezer door and then sharpen the cleaver. That was, that oh, was, yeah. so even though, yeah, I probably won't check this out. It's a really different premise. Um, Thanksgiving, I'm kind of more of a planes, trains, and automobiles guy, but no big deal to each his own. I'm going to double feature them. It's like Barbenheimer. It's uh, six, and planes. Six, uh, six, my left nut, this plane doesn't land in Chicago. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, Ray Cash, feel yourself away from the Baltimore Ravens for a moment to give us thoughts on the return of Eli Roth to the hack and slash horror genre with Thanksgiving. I was actually looking at the trailers. Ah, fair enough. Do my homework. Um... All right, hold on a sec. 196 to go. Who are you talking about right now? Because I'm going to be on mute for a while. So get, him, get him out. Get him out. I got I to do it when the time is right, though. Like, I just, I can't, you can't just ask for boo on command. Like, that's You're just not, not going to get much of me. Just, just so, uh, get it while you got it. 195 to go. All right, anyway, so, Eli Roth, back to horror. Yeah. Oh, I just, I know no, no, I'm, I'm done. Go ahead and talk. Okay. I'm, I'm coming, not going to hit too hard. I know it's coming again, but um, I guess this is a thing now where all the holidays have a killer for them. And was he wearing a Guy Fox mask? I maybe look like not Guy sure. Fox mask. Um, so personally, Thanksgiving is the worst holiday in the world to me. I hate that th- I've had horrible Thanksgiving, so I hate it with a passion, with a burning passion. So uh, that's the moment speaking. Well done. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, nobody was asking for it, nor did we need it. It's cool. But is it going to become classic like Halloween? Or is it going to be fun yet stupid like the, um, um, what's my boy from um, Stranger Things playing Chris Kringle? No. But David Harbour. Something. David Harbour, thank you. But it'll be something to watch. I won't watch it. Wow, man. All right. So, Dave, you're going to skip it, too? Is this the uh, the Thanksgiving trailer we're talking Thanksgiving, about? Thanksgiving. Come on. Eli Roth. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like I, man, I just it's, am surprised. It's not even October yet, and we're already getting into these crazy trailers. And, uh, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, deranged pilgrim killing people. I, I'm in. I, I, I'm in with it, Pat. There you Thank go. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is that so hard? No. No, I mean, Thank you. come on. I mean, we need we need another Thanksgiving movie other than Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. This seems like exactly. a worthy addition to that hierarchy. Tony agrees. I know and he does. Is, I think it's going to have a tinge of humor to it. So it's like back-to-back comedies, guys. Like, it's just good, plain Thanksgiving fun. See what I did there? Thumbs in the Th- middle. Thanksgiving, DP. Thanksgiving fun for you is death? More power to you, bro. I mean, I mean, when it comes to a, a joyful horror flick, yeah. Like, I love a good joyful horror flick. God, well, God, uh, that. D- DP, I know you were sent the, uh, sent the trailer. Did you did you check this one out? Eli Roth, his return. What do you got for I us? Did. Did take a look at it. I am also on the on the bandwagon of not a fan of horror movies, so I probably won't be checking this one out. I'm, that is I'm, true. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of an Easter guy, so I'm, I'm waiting for the Easter horror movie to come out. You know. Dude, the Easter Bunny is creepy on his own. There is a real horror film opportunity there. Like, who's serious? Like, I'm not. You're not wrong. The movie's called Breakfast. Breakfast. Uh, the um, eggs, egg grenades. I mean, there's a lot that can be done there. Um, Nothing more creepy than a, you know, more creepy than a mall Santa is definitely the mall Easter Bunny. Platt, have you put your child through a mall Easter Bunny yet? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the Easter Bunny. I'm not doing the uh, the Santa Claus thing anyway. There's just something very creepy to me about letting my well, boys sit on so, the I mean, lap, gotta, so, sitting so, on the lap of some, you know, the real reason. Like, the real reason weird. Chris isn't going to do this is because he's not going to let his kid believe in Santa at all. There's no way he's not taking credit for the presents he's about to give his kid for the next 18 years. That's fair. He's not wrong. He's actually a thousand percent. <laughs> he's very right. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I, was, I was like, I don't know Amber and I are not going to bust our asses all year to buy this kid some gifts to give a fat white man all the credit. No, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, but but in, in regards to this trailer, I, again, I, I got to agree with Tony. I feel like Thanksgiving is a untapped holiday in terms of movie. And, you know, depending on how you get along with your families out there listening, Thanksgiving a lot of times can become a nightmare. Like, you know, I'm not saying I'm just saying but I, I want to throw this out there as well. Oh, a couple of things before I get to what I want to say. I'm praying that Tarantino is involved in some shape, form, or fashion because Eli Roth just works better when Tarantino is associated. When it's just Eli, eh. But if Tarantino is associated, that would give me a little more hope for this project. But, but to all my bachelors out there, listen to me closely. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I'm not bullshitting you is the easiest day of the year to fall off into some strange if you go out. It really is. I swear to God. Easiest day of the year. Okay, and on that note, we're going to move on to another horror film. This one debuting September 22nd on Hulu, titled No One Will Save You. It is a story about a woman living alone. She uh, suffers from anxiety. It sets itself up like a typical sort of home home invasion film until you learn that the home invader is an alien the visuals on this alone are very intense it's very exciting it seems more thriller than horror if i were to give an argument a lot of tension building moments with stuff then happening uh not a lot of body horror like kind of the complete opposite like thanksgiving is a slasher no one will save you is a thriller it actually is the second film that has piqued my interest enough to consider diving into the hulu streaming space the predator being the other one uh being the first one so 
I, I'm really interested in this one. I hope that it that uh, it makes some media that I can catch it on because uh, one, I love aliens as it is. I love alien invasion films. This one kind of doing a different take on the home invasion thing uh, with a lot of tension building to what looks like a lot of releases of some bonkers action speaks to me. Dave, did it speak to you? Yeah, I, uh, with uh, with UFOs being real and a government apparently having non-human remains of aliens, I was wondering when we were going to get the next installment in the home invasion alien sort of uh, take on things with the you know non-peaceful entities going on. So. Yeah, this was uh this was kind of a fun trailer. It, it very interesting. Hulu does have some good series that are out there. And this one is this a series or a movie? I couldn't I wasn't sure. It's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. I checked it out. Yeah, I I think this one looks very interesting as well. I mean, anytime you get the it's it's you know, it had some of that sort of signs vibe to it a little bit, but um I I'm I'm definitely willing to check this one out. Awesome. Uh DP, I'm going to go to you this time and and, and buck the the standard bag bandwagon your thought on an alien home invasion film fan of horror that you are well one question is who the hell still has a rotary phone uh but then this this woman apparently yeah and this just i mean just seems like something that could have been uh solved by just turning some lights on so i, I don't know very dark very dark very dark. there, there is Light, no, light does seem to play a role, though, in the trailer. Like, clearly, like, there's this big moment where oh, yeah. she's behind a door, she's got everything, and, like, light is used as almost like a force. Like, it is used to, like, blast things down. So, Keep them away. Um, yeah. I think there, I think there is terrible. something to that. So, uh, who do we want to pick on this? And Ray Cash. So, at first, when I saw this, I was thinking, eh, is this, is this science without a bad and Mel Gibson being campy? But then the more you get into it, you're like, wait a minute. This seems pretty interesting. It has, I like the note because I didn't catch this, but the note that she already has anxiety. And, um, yep. you know, there, I have, I love movies with where there's kind of things of isolation and with like horror movies or particularly movies that have like one character the whole movie because the things that they have to do to make that movie not seem slow or boring. You, they're acting like the role of their, of their life, you know, Castaway or I Am Legend, stuff like that. So I'm excited about the prospect of that. It looks good. And yeah, who quietly have some bangers, man? So I am. They in. really do. I'm in on Between this. Them? Oh, sorry, man. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say I'm surprised they didn't want to throw this at theater. But, you know, um, it's an easier thing to keep on your platform. We could talk about this a little bit during the, stri- uh, during the strike conversation, but it's about marketing I think it's it's right now streaming is the easier way to market it Good point. Uh, because you don't need your actors to really do a big press tour. Tony, what do you think of this one? Uh, no one will save you. It's interesting. I would say that uh, the clues of different things probably tell you it's set in the what 80s, maybe 70s, early 90s, somewhere in that genre. Um, Caitlin Dever, the, the lead actress in this one, is the youngest daughter from um, Last Man Standing. With Tim Allen Fox series. So it's interesting to see her take that role change from being in a sitcom into this, you know, almost thriller of a movie. Honestly, like I'm closer to watching this than the other ones, because like you mentioned, it's more of a phenomenon or, or an invasion from the cosmos. So, yeah. Well, very much so. Chris reply, you didn't view these trailers, but based on the descriptions we're saying here, a home invasion movie taken from the slant of the home invader is an alien. I, I got to be honest, you know, just listening to the synopsis of this film, 
I kind of feel like this is why the studio executives and head of these studios feel like they don't need to pay these writers. Because what, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm going to send you the good link to the trailer. Man. Watch the wow. link to the trailer. It looks like a well-written. It does look like a good look concept. At Christopher idea. Platt coming full circle from pay these content creators to fuck these content creators. No, no, no. I'm not saying that those aren't the, the views of Christopher Platt. I'm just saying, listening to this synopsis, I can understand. It's like, well, we can get anybody to write this shit. And some of these movies that are out now that have been out. Have y'all seen this one? I I, I ran up on it on um uh, Labor Day. It's a movie about a tire that has telekinesic powers and can kill people. Oh, that, with that's, that's rubber. That movie, that, rubber, movie yes. that movie's called yes. Rubber. That movie's like yes. 10 years old, dude. Yeah, that movie's, yeah. That I just jumped upon it. Yeah, like, come on, man. What are we doing here? Sounds like cocaine. I watched that sort of. and laughed. I laughed no, so no, no. hard. There will be no cocaine bear slander on these airwaves. Uh, right. Look, Chris, speak. first you marginalize survivors. Now you're <laughs> marginalizing content creators. <laughs> cocaine so, bear Everything I the, film, the film is written and directed by Brian Duffield. He has done a few movies um, previous to this, most notably Love and Monsters uh, was a good film that he put out back in 2020. Uh, he's 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 a young up and comer. Uh, he's been a little off the wall in a lot of the films that he's made, but he's I, I've enjoyed his work up to this point. He's only made a few films, so we'll we'll have to see. I think it looks really interesting. Um, let's move over to uh, Japan, though, with this next film, this next trailer, which the little O'Dowd watched this trailer with me, and he used one word to describe it. First of all, it's for the film Godzilla Minus One, so the newest version of, uh, newest Godzilla film from the original creators of the franchise over in Japan. He watched this trailer, and the second Godzilla starts crushing a city, his jaw drops, because it was like he finally saw how Godzilla is supposed to be. Like, that this is what a Godzilla film is supposed to be. And he was like, well, that's epic. How do we go see that movie? And I'm like, well, dude, I don't even know if we're going to be able to find a theater that plays it until it hits streaming or physical media. But I, fundamentally, Godzilla films have always been a, an allegory for World War II and the nuclear destruction that Japan uh, experienced by the United States of America. And this film very much goes back to those roots um, just by the look and what they're showing. This movie looks amazing. It looks like they they do digital Godzilla better than American films have done digital Godzilla. They did the strike like Godzilla stepping on people. That thing it fucking looks great. I'm all in one million percent on this film. I will read the subtitles. Ray. Will you read the subtitles to watch Godzilla Minus One? I think I just picked you twice to go first. My bad. No, no, this is my first time going first. Oh. Um, you, you, you pretty much broke it down pretty accurately because, I mean, I'm the youngest one on the panel, and I, I'm old enough to have seen all the Godzilla movies that have come out in the past 30 years or so. Um, and, yeah, this is one of the first times you actually feel a sense of dread watching him tear up tokyo or japan or whatever city this is and of course it makes sense that it would be the japanese content creators making it that give it the idea um but i am reminded of the epic and legendary twitter war between our chair shots own rob Bonnet and the big homie james because never never has got to look more 
like a scumbag heel than in this trailer. He just, what y'all doing? Oh, I'm chilling. I'm just going to go destroy a country real fast. I'll be right back. You know, just, bruh, like, go live your life in the water, dog. Why you got to kill these, all these Japanese, these fine Japanese people? Unnecessary. I'm going to be watching. Excellent, excellent. All right, DP, I saw you nodding. I'm going to go back to you during my effusive praise of this trailer. So I, I feel like you are in agreement that this looks really, really good. Yeah, I totally agree with both of you guys there. That It just looks really awesome. Something to watch that, I mean, you. I guess I don't know, but maybe you probably might not even need to bother with the subtitles because it's just, it's action over action over action, you know, and just seeing that uh, Godzilla, like you guys said, you know, classic story with, you know, going back to the, you know, back to that Japanese style, but then putting it in this, you know, now that you have the technology and you can make him look just fearsome like he should and not some of these older ones where it was just kind of laughable and it almost it was more like a comedy seeing some of these because it just wasn't believable. But now it's like, holy shit, like he's just destruction, like kind of, you know, like a Michael Bay type of movie where it's just shit's been destroyed all over the place. So it, it just looks like a shit ton of fun to watch. And I was never like necessarily big on God, the Godzilla movies or any of those, but I, I would watch this for sure. Like this just looks like, you know, you got two hours to just watch some shit getting destroyed. It looks like fun. PC Tunny, over to you. Your thoughts on Godzilla minus one. I mean, like you said, we can't find it in theaters for 3D. So, I mean, oh. come on. That'd, be a, that'd be epic, right? It would be pretty epic. I don't know where we're going to find it. Here we go, right? No. Just for you. Well, How convenient we have the scientists here. He just needs to figure out a way to get a like a 3D HD projector or something, and we'll. we'll you mean he doesn't have that in his palace down uh, in the basement well, already? I mean, thought he had a damn home theater. Don't you have to buy 3D, a ticket to get in there? It's almost like D. I'm gonna call him. Start calling him DP Wayne. You get Alfred on that, okay? D, DP Theaters Incorporated. Yeah, he's got an app you can order. You can pick your seat <laughs> ahead of time with your ticket. I've rented movies. I've rented movies from him before. That's hilarious. Nice. Very good. Very good. Uh, Dave, Godzilla. Uh, so if we do the streamies this year, I would say to add a category of if, yeah, if, if we don't know, it's up to Patrick, but I would add a category trailer of the year. And this would be my trailer of the year by far in a way, this is the best trailer I've seen all year. And, and you know, we're talking in, in a little foreshadowing. We're going to have a, another trailer involving Godzilla compare and contrast to two, two Godzilla's one scary. This one's terrifying. And that's, the best thing you could say about it. This is the old school Godzilla. This is a Godzilla that has terrorized the consciousness of an entire nation for decades that it's not even a real character. But the notion of nuclear war, nuclear fallout, doing something. And like in this in this trailer where they say that monster will never forgive us. So the concept of Godzilla holding a grudge against a nation and waiting until they are at their absolute weakest to attack is next level shit there. And I think this trailer, and even at the end, the Godzilla at the end, who's roaring and he's just got burns all over him, presumably from a nuclear blast trying to kill him. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm imagining it. It's going to be playing somewhere in Los Angeles. This might be a movie. I say, all right, babe, we're taking a trip down to LA to see this thing. Cause it looks that damn good. All right. Let's bring it around. Christopher Platt, your thoughts on Godzilla. Well, first and foremost, shout out to the Far East, because whenever we run out of ideas here in the West, 
we either lift something from the Asian cinema market or we just flat out steal it and remake the movie. So they've always been at the cutting edge in terms of innovation when it comes to cinema. Personally, I'm a Godzilla mark. I love the old school Godzilla movies, uh, the 99 version with Matthew Broderick. Not so much that didn't work, but I really enjoyed the reboots that they've done here in the 2000s. And to piggyback a little bit off of what uh, DP said, Godzilla is one of those properties similar to King Kong, where as the technology advances in cinema, they're going to always be able to run this back and at least pop a house that opening weekend and make a little bit of money. So I'm all in. Yeah, I think all of us are all in. I think it looks so great. We're going to continue with the kaiju theming, though, with an Apple TV. This is an Apple TV Plus series that is coming that titled Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And this is a series based on this recent kaiju universe with Godzilla and King Kong that has been a, been playing in theaters for a while. Now we're going to get this series in Apple TV+. Plus. Stars Kurt Russell, stars John Goodman returning to his earlier role. Um, I didn't even know this series was coming. I, I love Kurt Russell as, as an actor, even as, you know, as he's gotten up in years. Uh, the Little O'Doubt has enjoyed the films. This is a this is a series about the sort of corporation that has been trying to track and control and use these kaiju. I I'll be interested to see where it goes. As as Dave mentioned, Godzilla does appear in it. The the Godzilla that we've seen in the Americanized versions over the last uh, over the last few weeks or so, decade or so. Um, it's on Apple TV Plus. I'm a subscriber to Apple TV Plus. A lot of the other content that they have, I'm on hold for right now. Uh, Probably will watch this with a little doubt when I have time to, but it didn't quite hold my attention the way that the previous trailer did. Um, it doesn't look, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say it looks bad per se. I just don't know that it's a story that folks are going to want to care to catch and watch. Christopher Platt has a hand up. Just real quick, can we give John Goodman his flowers? He is a phenomenal actor. He was great on Roseanne. He was great in the movie opposite Denzel Washington, Fallen. And he was so nice, they ran it back twice in flight, you know, several years later. I just want John Goodman to be able to get his flowers. I think he is a phenomenal actor and one of these guys that Hollywood doesn't really know what to do with because he doesn't fit that stereotypical leading man role. So that's it. I just wanted to give John Goodman his props. That's all. But Chris, do you have any thoughts on the trailer that we was talking about right away? Or why don't we no. get back and let everybody else no. talk about it? That's right. No. Dave, go ahead. Start us off here. And the difference with the previous Godzilla trailer. Yeah, I think uh, this, uh, this MonsterVerse version of Godzilla, as they went along from the first one to then Kong Skull Island to then Godzilla versus Kong, Godzilla kind of morphed into almost an anti-hero, right? In those movies. And you compare and contrast to Godzilla minus one. There's no heroic anything about that monster. He's stepping on people. He's destroying Japan. He's he's out for revenge. Um, this Godzilla is, you know, and what we're looking at this trailer, Monarch was, like Patrick was saying, the agency behind tracking these monsters, you know. And you saw in the first, the original Godzilla, when they rebooted this, the, uh, I forget, you know, Mothra was in that and a couple other things, but you had the Kong stuff going on in Godzilla versus Kong. So this is the the agency behind all that. And I guess this is going to chronicle maybe they're using that to try and catapult the series because I know there's rumors that they're going to do Godzilla versus Kong 2 and I think DP could probably back me up on that as far as what he's heard. Um but 
yeah, I, I mean, it looks like it looks very interesting. It's just, it's just very much a huge stark contrast between what you saw in the one trailer and then this, which seems to be more, you know, obviously it's a series, so it's going to be episodic in nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all for it because I, I did enjoy the MonsterVerse, the trilogy there. I'd like to see where they're going to go with that from here. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I've got Apple TV plus just like Pat does. I I'm interested to see what they're doing with this and where you, know, where's Monarch going to go from here? Cause they didn't exactly do the world any favors in the last trilogy. What do you think DP? Dave was talking to you there on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Godzilla versus Con 2 is supposed to be next year, but who knows with the writer's strike and stuff. So I have no idea where they are with that, but yeah, that, that's yeah, supposed to be what, 2027, Dave. Yeah, we've re we have uh, we need to trademark that, but we uh we've brought it out of mothballs, and it's every once in a while I'll throw Ray a hashtag twenty twenty eight just when I think he's really going out there with something. But twenty twenty seven, it's coming. Shout out to Apple though. Like if we go pound for pound, Apple might have the best batting average when it comes to these shows out there right now. They've got a lot of interesting content between the morning show, um, um, uh, shrinking with uh, Jason Siegel and Harrison Forward. Um, what's the one with um uh, Jason Vegas or Ted Lasso? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one with Adam Scott. I can't. Severance. That's another interesting. Severance one. is yeah. really good. Severance is yeah. amazing, and it really upsets me that that got that the strike has halted it. They're more uh, Apple's more selective with with what they're doing. They don't just flood the market with stuff. It's yeah, it's right. It, it's, it's more quality over quantity. It's deliberate with them much more so. Well, and you know, and they they do have series that are continuing. Like they've got their second season of Foundation out right now. The Changeling, which I, I really want to see, looks really really interesting. Um, the Jason Momoa show. Still, what's that one? Oh, the, the Jason, Jason Momoa, Momoa show. One. See, Peter Silva uh, is doing Hijack. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I just wish that uh, I just yeah I just wish that uh, the strike hadn't messed up a lot of good stuff. So anyway. Uh, that brings us to our last trailer. This is a trailer that Tony shared. Uh, we've gotten our next Gen I think B trailer. I could just talk about the new one. Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I missed that. I stepped away for a second. And it's, it's, know it's, I just want to say one thing real fast because I think it's yeah, important sure. to note. We were talking about the difference between the two trailers. That You can see the difference between the, the eye stereotypically or generically of how Japanese people look at uh, formulate uh, cinematography and how Americans do. Because the entire right. crux of the of the minus one trailer was to show the fear and destruction uh, of Godzilla, what he can do. The entire crux of of what the Monarch uh, movie or show was, let's get some plot in here and let you know who these characters are and why you care about them. And that's a big right. difference. And usually I'm more drawn to the latter. But given the character and given the story and kaijus and, and Godzilla... I'm more drawn drawn to the former, and I think that's an interesting mix. To me. Yeah, my biggest problem with this this universe that's been playing on the American side of things is the focus on the human characters and less on the kaiju themselves. A lot of time, like there, there's so much time spent, in, especially in like Kong Skull Island, even Godzilla versus Kong, which I would argue is probably the best in terms of the kaiju meaning more than the humans. There, there's this this idea that we have to have a human character that we care about in order to appreciate these films. And I just completely disagree with that. I think that the star of the film should be the kaiju and not, you know, Alexander Skarsgård or 
in the case of this one, you know, Kurt Russell in, in his role or whoever else. Make it make it the fucking monsters. That's what it should be. Doesn't mean that they're particularly bad films. I just I prefer that that Japan, you know, the creators, the, the originators, and I can't remember the man's name who came up with the concept of Godzilla. It's the creature. The creature is is the star. So all right. Uh, last trailer in the trailer park, that an extended trailer park today is the latest and quote unquote final trailer for Gen V, the uh, prequel slash spin, not prequel, but the spinoff from the boys focusing on youngsters who are basically attending superhero school to, uh, to, you know, hopefully become members of the seven or some other superhero group for Vaught. Um, this one actually doesn't dive quite as hard into some of the like, just sort of the oh my god over the top stuff. Though you do have a, a shrinking character standing in somebody's ear, it's a pool of blood, which is like messed up. But like this trailer actually told you a bit more of the story that they're going to tell, as opposed to just being like, here's all the extreme crazy superhero violence that you're going to get. We're um, the boys. This one actually talks about the plot involved that these these young students know that something's wrong and are trying to figure out what the deal is. That there's something wrong with this school. That there's something wrong with what. Uh, as we've always known, if you've watched The Boys for any amount of time, longer than five seconds, you know. Uh, here we go. We are in. Uh, this time, we will start with Ray Cash. Gen V, final trailer. Your thoughts? So, as a show and a concept, could not be more in. Love the idea. Love the, the thought behind it. Um, ever since we finally figured out where the superheroes are coming from, that they're made, not born that way. To see the way they're raised, I think, is a really cool thing. Plus, the beauty of this show is someone becomes really, really big or works. Just move them to the main show. And like the girl who cuts her hands and control her blood. By the way, Stigmata, that's her name, right? Um, yeah. That works. My yeah, we, problem is... hit that right on the head, didn't we? My problem is I don't care until I see the boys. You have teased this for over a year and a half. Give me the boys first. And then we can talk about some side projects. I need season four. Then we can talk. But yeah, I'm, I'm in. Ray doesn't want a side right. piece, oh. Pat. That's what I got out of. I guess so, Dave. Can you can you handle having a side piece? Can, I can I, you wait for. I can. You are a very much a give me what I want guy. So. Well, I I mean tread anyway. lightly on the side piece, by the way. I know, tread lightly I know, with the wife's down. Um, so <laughs> I think like you know. As far as the uh, Gen V is concerned, and yeah, I'm with you, Ray. I want the boys season four, but there's, you know, various reasons why they aren't doing that. And we, you know, we all, we all know, and we're about to discuss that, but yeah, this looks very much, it, it, it's got all the feels and the symptoms and, and everything of a, of a boy series, you know, the same chaos, the same craziness that's going on. Um, you know, maybe it's not equip you know equating to the deep eating timothy or anything like that but it looks crazy enough to be right there in the boys universe so i'm you know and if we're if we're gonna hold off on the boys season four give me gen v i'm down with it tp yeah i'm into the gimme content i don't you know whether it's the boys or just gen v one but give me give me something here because it's been a while and yeah the whole boys this whole thing is just fantastic it's been awesome all the time but uh i mean just Seeing these trailers again, just, you know, it just, just what's the appetite. And I just, I, yeah, I want it right now. Cause it looks really awesome. It looks, you know, it's kind of cool to see how they're, you know, 
growing up trying to understand their powers a little more, you know, where in the boys, you, obviously they get them and you see how that it gets corrupted, you know, getting into the, into Vought, but seeing them as like more like kids and they're still trying to learn what their powers can do and more of a, you know, it seems more of a, you know, teenage angst, hating the world type of stuff that they have to try and live with this whole thing and try and figure it out makes it, it's a little different, right. Than the boys, but it's under the same guys and it still looks like it's all the same type of cool shit and some awfulness that you just can't look away from like you had with the boys. So, I mean, I'm all in for it. I just, yeah, I, you guys, I want it. I want something now, uh, you know, obviously we know where we're sitting with the whole writer stuff, but yeah, get it out there. Let's, let's get some stuff. Let's watch it. Cause it looks fucking great. A lot of don't care. Now I want it now going on. GC Tunny to you, sir. I, I mean, give me the boys. Give me all of the boys. Let, let's get into the entire universe of it, right? It feels a lot like Invincible, the young characters coming together, right? Or uh, d- does it equate, like, you guys, did you guys think of Teen Titan at all? Like, the younger generation of superheroes? No, that's a different kind of concept. Didn't know. It just it made me think of, like, a younger superhero group. It looks great. I mean, we got pimp, uh, the the head popper in there. We got the redheaded assistant in there. So we're definitely on the same wavelength of what we've been watching in the boys series. So September 29th, let's do it. They got a cameo from Victoria in there as well. So there is some direct tie into the boys. We're going to be flipping over from what Ahsoka to uh, Loki, but I'm going to be watching Gen V while I'm watching Loki and the finale of Ahsoka. So it's a great time to be watching streaming. And and you're rewatching lock and key season three, right? Tony. Yeah. He I loved that season. It's such a great season. It's also been both of you after the show. It's also been reported that uh, the deep is going to be in this, and I would not be shocked if Homelander makes an appearance. Uh, so it's yeah, really it going to be a carryover. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of crossover cameo stuff. It has to be. Platt, you looking forward to the Gen V spinoff of The Boys? I'm all in on it. And the reason I say that is because I'm hoping that this leads to an adaptation of the epilogue of the boys. And for those of you that are familiar with the graphic novel, the epilogue, I think it takes place, what, five to ten years after the events of the boys happens. And I think that that you could really mind that and get some interesting content for it. So if this if if the prequel leads to the epilogue, I can smoke a bag of that and I'm, I'm all here for it. All right. Well, I will be all in on watching it as well. And um, we will uh, call it a day on the trailer park. Quite a bit of time. We do have to say goodbye to one of our guests. So we're going to hand the floor over to DP. Thank you for jumping on to our 200th episode, my friend. It's good to see you. Uh, We miss you over here. We love having you on the show. I don't get why Tony is laughing so hard. Um, But okay. Any final know. thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, just uh, 200 episodes is awesome. I'm, I was glad to be a part of it whenever I can. And definitely at the beginning, it was a heck of a lot of fun. And I love seeing you guys all the time. And great to see you guys and uh, rocking and rolling on this show. DP, I got a question all for right. you. I got a question for you. Uh-oh. Every week okay. we direct all the hate mail for the show to your Twitter handle at it's me DPP. And I'm just wondering, how's that going? Are, are people being nice to you or are they, are they being the usual pricks that the internet can be? This is the thing. Um, you basically turn off your notifications and you never have to worry about it. 
continue sending all your hate mail to me. Way to way to just take all the fun out of it, Dan. That's that's great. Thank <laughs> you so much for your. Thank you for being a part of episode two hundred. Good to see, great to see you, Dan. And I'm working on my Illuminati application as well. For those that don't know, Dan is part of the Illuminati. I'm just trying to figure out who I can blood sacrifice. I don't want anybody close to me, but I got a few cousins that y'all might be able to get, get rid of so I can, you know, join yeah, the club. I hear, so. I hear Ryback works cheap. I'm just throwing that out. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Goodbye, DP. Goodbye. Good to see you. Call is over. Dave's, Dave's broken it down. We love you. Love you guys. All right. We are going to go into a little bit of news around the Nerdosphere uh, before we go into our second commercial break. A couple of them. The first article, I can't wait for Platt to comment on this because I know he's going to have things to say. Um, and what I would argue was a shock to nobody. A article was published this week, shared from, by Vulture, talking about the website, the aggregate's critic site Rotten Tomato and basically the article points out that studios have been paying PR firm to help manipulate critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes this is my I'm shocked face and in other breaking news the sun came out today Tony you're waving your arms Dave and I, for the longest time, have been only accounting the Rotten Tomato scores of the fans instead of the critics. And this is the main reason why. And it, I just feel validated from that. It's like, who gives a shit what these people who are getting paid to do something think? Because they are obviously have a bias, right? I want to know what the fans who want to go see this think, because that's what I am, right? I'll- you find the critics you like, but you got to trust the fans in general. Right. There are some critics who... I'll gravitate to that. I trust more than others. But at the end of the day, the thing is like, yeah, like Patrick O'Dowd, I will value what he I'm says. I'm a trusted critic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The people that are, I trust the people that pay the fucking money. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, my, the best thing you can do is like, if the movie interests you go see it because you can't even rely on, on the fans anymore because we've seen in the last year, all this review bombing going on. So you can't really rely on that score either. So I default back to, am I interested in this? Does the trailer look like something I'd be interested in? I don't give a shit what anybody says. Let me make up my own mind. Because as we've seen from this article, um, anything can be manipulated. And, hey, we'll pay you for a good review. We don't want you to say anything bad about this. Yeah, I, I think none of us are particularly surprised that this is the the way of the world. Um, disappointed? Yeah, probably. But I think like all of us are going to say... We expected as much. So, yeah, like you're saying, Tony, we've been skeptical of this for a while. And it's like, eh, I want to rely on the fans, but I can't even do that anymore, you know, because all this review bombing going on. Yeah, review bombing is such a problem when it comes to these things right now, too. And not with everything, but with, you know, with specific things. We've talked about it when it came to the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus series, when it came to Captain Marvel just to use Obi-Wan, a couple of MCU examples. Lord of the Rings. Uh, Countless examples. Yeah, rings of rings of power. Like it's it's all over the place that toxicity in the internet is just on the internet is just a, a problem when it comes to films and series. So it's not necessarily a surprise. It's just what I think is funny to me is that I'm surprised I'm not more surprised. Like it's disappointing I'm not more surprised that we're so we, we are so cynical with this now at this point that, you know, you can't even trust a review. It's the same thing, honestly. Like, and I, I don't know if these people get paid to do it, but the Twitter reactions after the previews of something, you know, like after every 
movie goes through its initial like critic screening, you'll get an article from, I usually post it from io9, that'll be like, initial reviews are in, and it's all these one, you know, one tweet bites, where almost every one of them is a positive review. The only people who get reviewed to, or get invited to those shows are ones that are going to give favorable reviews, even in their criticism. So none of it's, none of it's real. None of it's real. And, and Ray knows this as well, and which is why I'm going to call him out so that he can talk a little bit too, so that he gets his mind off the terrible injury that his football team just suffered. Maybe another one, Ronnie Stanley's down too. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, boy, I tell you. Um, Somebody got to bring up the rear in that division, man. It's the best division in football. Somebody got to ride bitch this year. Can we mute him, please? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, you get a, If I had the board, you'd get a cheer for that. Thank you. Um, there's a show that's pretty critically acclaimed, irony, not missed on me, called Dark Side of the 2000s. The whole Dark Side series is pretty critically acclaimed. But the first episode of this new season was about TRL and essentially how the record companies would basically pay people to call in or basically to get NSYNC or Backstreet Boys or Britney or whoever, Nelly or whoever it is get their numbers up so they can stay on there. And that led to many, many more opportunities and much more money. This has been going on since the beginning of time. Back when um, uh, Wolfman Jack and Casey Kasem was getting kickbacks. It's always happened. So it's not a surprising thing to do when we have the easiest way and manner to do it now with the internet. Um, but my only concern is, much like Dave said, because I'm with you, Tony, I never pay attention to the critics. I hate the idea of a critic in, in general. I pay attention to the audience. But when you have people who are trying to poison that well on purpose, who can we believe now? People are purposefully trying to poison that well, right? You have groups of people, of dozens of people who say to themselves, yeah, we're going to just spam the board with bad things because with bad crit, um, reviews because we don't like a Muslim woman in the lead and stuff like that. So, yeah, who, who can you believe? There's a baby in the call. There's a baby in the chat. Um, hold everything. Everybody wave at the baby. All right. We waved at Raise the baby. Raise that kid up like the Lion King, episode 200. There you go. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Okay. Let's go to our favorite Bond villain, Bob Iger. A report came whoa, out whoa, whoa. on CNBC. I, I, I can't comment on this, sir. Oh, you did? I, I introduced you for No. I, yeah, but I, you yeah. never allowed me to say anything. All right. Well, I guess I'll let you speak. No, no, but I, I agree with Ray, man. This has been going on since Pippin's has been Pippin. Like, it is what it is. Like, you know, back in the day, Tang, four stars, John Smith from the New York News. Like, what the fuck is even that? You know what I mean? Um, I typically don't deal with critics. I did like Siskel and Ebert. I think they had a certain level of gravitas, and the reason they did is because they were able to break down why they did or did not like a movie. And it, it, it really enhanced my respect for what these people people do making movies you know what i mean nowadays we got alan sepperwall with rolling stone i think he's a really <laughs> solid critic uh but he only does television in terms of movies uh shout out to my man wesley morris formerly of grantland he now works for the new york times super super intelligent brother and i love listening to his opinion on the movies but other than that it is what it is uh, you know that's all i got very nice sorry that i uh i did not involve you uh, in, in the conversation plot it's because i don't like you uh, anyway, I know Iger, Iger, our favorite Bond villain, Bob Iger, 
the guy who I was so excited to see come back to Disney and replace Bob Chapik um, and just watch him be like a complete tool since he's come back. It seems like particularly during this writer strike. But an article was posted by CNBC this week. I think Tony shared it uh, that multiple folks within Disney, not named by Bob Iger, believe that he will hold on to his CEO position until such time as they can sell Disney to Apple. I talked what about this at the top of the show. Have? Honestly, what other choice do they have? They brought the other guy mm-hmm. in. It was a yes, it was an unmitigated disaster. So they had to bring Bob oh. back. Well, here's my here's the here's the thing I'll point out. Uh, there's really there's really interesting couple of articles in there about how Bob Iger conveniently left and put Bob Chape again there to face the things that were going to happen to Disney, even if Iger had stayed. It was like Mary he saw what was coming. Yeah, very was like, we'll put right. He left yeah. three years later, but it's like Chapek's doing terrible when a lot of the ideas that were being followed through with by Chapek were put forth by Iger. Then Iger got to come back and be like, Disney has lost its way. I will bring it back. Uh, and now he's just proven it. Now he's proven it time and time again. Um, I don't know how much of this room is true they, or not. I don't know they, that Disney they, sells to Apple. I, I apologize, Patrick. Same thing Hogan did with the Warrior. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll give him enough rope to hang himself. And then when I come back, they're going to need me to come back and save the ship. It's the same thing. It's very Machiavellian. Except the ship still sank until the mid-90s or late-90s. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the veracity of this thing. I wouldn't put a pass to dude at this point, just based on his track record right now with what's going on with the writer's strike. It still is tough for me to wrap my brain around the idea of Disney, who was like an IP collecting machine. Like suddenly we're getting this report that, that perhaps Iger is angry. Like, and this isn't the first time we've heard about Disney maybe being sold. Um, I don't know. I'm going to hand it over to, to our Disney expert. David Ungar to kind of kick this conversation off. Do you do you buy this? Do you sell it? Is it salt shakers heavy? I'm what do you got? Get my wife in here. She's a Disney expert. Um, Disney selling to Apple. I, I mean, I like to do what Chris is saying. What other options do they have? You know, out there as far as if they're really trying to sell. I mean, Apple would be a logical destination as far as like companies who could absorb that sort of a hit. But it doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel quite right that you know Disney would be looking to do that because i mean i think we've said this before when we've talked about it the media stuff is one thing what happens to the parks apple doesn't know shit about running theme parks and i, I think if you're really going a full sale i mean maybe if they're if they're just selling like the the uh, disney disney plus and some of the medias to apple okay that's one thing but i go back to and like you know pat you and i were exchanging messages about all the announcements at the parks that came out of destination d23 what does apple do with that so I tend to think that this is more on the side of not realistic um, than I think that, yeah, this could actually happen. But I mean, it, it's it's possible. It just seems very unlikely due to just the logistics and how big Disney is and spread over so much stuff. How does Apple manage that? I don't know. Tony, you posted this article. What do you think? What do you got? At one point, didn't we talk about the fact that every streaming was going to need a studio and a network associated and attached to it to succeed? And isn't that kind of what's happening here? I mean, I know it's Apple, but like we're we're kind of getting the trimming down of the fat here as far as streaming goes. I mean, eventually everything becomes monopolized that can be monetized at such a high level. And this is one of those things. Maybe. Yeah. If this comes to fruition, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's interesting. I'll be. If it happens, 
if it happens, I'll I'll come back on this program and and be like, wow. I just I don't know. It's just hard for me to see because Disney as an entity has been what it's been for so long. I, I see the deal being more like Dave might have just said right there, where more of the Disney Plus platform and like the content gets sold to Apple, where the rest of it kind of stays with them. Maybe a lease kind of thing and, and a partnership. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And you know, if this is something that has legs, we'll we're definitely going to see more to it. Ray Cash. Two quick things. Number one, Disney's too big. I just don't see anywhere they're going to be sold. I, it doesn't make any sense to me at all, especially the Apple. Don't they have, um, Dave, don't they have like a conglomerate, conglomeracy laws or something? Because forgive me if I'm if I'm wrong. Isn't Disney like the biggest conglomerate in the world? They, I mean, if you're looking at prohibitions on monopolies and things like that, yeah. But Monopoly, I, don't, I don't think... I don't think this would qualify just due to the fact that the way that the two industries are set up and Disney, Disney and Apple merging together. I mean, is it going to come under scrutiny? I mean, look at the Activision Blizzard merger and see all the fucking shitstorm that that has generated. Yeah. So yeah. yeah is yeah. it going to be looked at with scrutiny? Absolutely. Is it necessarily illegal? I, it's not my area of law, but I don't, you know, when, when you're looking at, from a media standpoint, there's so many, as we've talked about, there's so many other options with streaming services. Can't say it's a monopoly. Um, you know, from the standpoint of some other aspect, I, I don't see it, Ray. I mean, I think it's not, it's, it's going to get looked at side. eye. It's going to get side eyed. That's for sure. But I don't know if they can Un do anything about it. Until we get more in depth, if this is, has truth to it about what branch, if not the entire company is being sold. It's not just Disney Plus. You're talking Marvel. You're talking ESPN. You're talking Hulu. You're talking ABC. You're talking FX. All the Fox property. Like, this is a big deal. Anyway, but that, that's still conjecture. The second thing is, and maybe y'all can help me understand, I thought I understood money. Clearly, we are dealing on a different level of money than I can comprehend. Because if Disney, <laughs> the biggest fucking conglomerate in the country, is, like, on the verge of being sold... I don't understand money. I don't. Very clearly, I don't. And maybe I didn't move to iPhone. Because if all these damn iPhones can buy Disney, then I'm with the wrong company. I have the wrong phone. Well, well, a couple things, man. If you want to understand money, understand that when those tragic fires took place in Hawaii, there was a group of people back in the shadows that were jerking off because all they thought of was the amount of money that they could possibly make by rebuilding and, and reestablishing Hawaii. That's how Ladies and gentlemen, works. Chris Platt is back, yo. He's back. <laughs> number number two, you know, it's it's funny to me, man, because when I hear Apple buying Disney, it's similar to when Arby's bought Wendy's, because you would think that it would be the other way around, just by public perception, right? I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I can understand how it would happen. I mean, look at this. Uh, Disney thought that they were going to be able to out Netflix Netflix with their streaming service. So what they did was double and triple down on the MCU, which led to the law of dimension returns with that and that leaving every, you know, bad taste in everybody's mouth. ESPN is losing their stronghold as the worldwide leader in sports. They're out here beeping with cable companies and getting taken off of different cable companies and stuff like that. So Di Disney is hurting right now. They're hemorrhaging. And let's be honest. Isn't this how it always happens? It always ends up as a monopoly. Eventually, the government steps in. They use that 
buzzword deregulation and then all these fucking uh, network marketing schemes pop up trying to get the suckers to buy some money because they say, oh, well, they're deregulating. This is your chance to get in. But ultimately, it just leads to the rich getting richer. Like this is these, these are rich people problems, man, or not even rich people. These are wealthy people problems. So eventually, doesn't everything get monopolized in one shape, form or fashion? Like historically speaking, isn't this how this always goes? Am I am I wrong? Chris, you're not talking about rich. You're talking about wealth. I got it. Thank you, sir. But you didn't answer my question, but thank you. <laughs> well, it's I, I would agree. You're not you're not wrong. It just it it happens and then it changes and then it'll get then it'll happen again and it'll change again. We'll just we'll have to see what it is. It's just it's such an interesting concept that Disney would be the one to be sold. So we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, more on that if slash when it happens but what we are going to do now is we are going to take our second commercial break we come back we are going to go back to talking about the strike uh because there's been a lot of news this week uh with regards to the writer slash actor strike out there so covering all that when we come back you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network are you out of here chris is that what's that what's going on buddy yeah man i gotta feed my kid man i gotta get up out of here all right so He's choosing to take care of his spawn over the 200th episode of Bandwagon Nerds. go, Chris. Chris, thank you so much for being on the program. It has been great to see you again. Uh, you know, don't be a stranger. Come back to the internet airwaves soon. We're happy to have had you on the 200th episode, though. All jokes aside, man, I love each and every one of you guys, man. You guys are my brothers. I love y'all. Thank y'all for having me on. 200 episodes is a hell of an accomplishment. I'm proud of each and every one of you. I say this every time I come on. This is literally one of the best podcasts on the airwaves. So if you're listening, tell a friend to tell a friend and bring them on because we need 200 more episodes of this. So congratulations to 200 episodes. I promise you this won't be the last time I come on and I'm going to raise my glass. Bash is going to raise the remote control to 200 more, man. I love you guys, man, from the bottom of my heart. And thanks for having me. All right. Well, there you have it. Christopher Platt, the Velvet Pipes, here for the 200th episode. He is on his way out to be a great dad. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to wrap up the program with a little strike talk. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds number 200 here on the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Please be sure to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot and invest in us by picking up a shirt. $19.99 for a standard style or a few dollars more will get it soft style. Your giblets will thank you because it will feel delightful on your giblets. There's an awesome bandwagon nerds tee out there that you could pick up so that myself and DPP are or aren't the only two that have it. So get out there, support us. We love all 27 of our listeners who have listened to 200 episodes and your support on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash ChairShot guarantees that the 27 of you will hear us again and again and again and again and again. All right, gentlemen, it's our lives right now. It's what we deal with. 
It's the strike. It's SAG-AFTRA. It's the WGA. And now we might be getting the video game actor side of SAG-AFTRA also going on strike. Uh, You know, I thought the writer's strike was long overdue. This one may be more long overdue, actually. But it was reported on September 2nd that SAG-AFTRA is voting to authorize a potential video game actor strike. And then, post that headline, per deadline, the board has unanimously voted to authorize a strike in case its upcoming bargaining meeting with the games industry falls through. That voting will take place beginning Tuesday, September 5th, and last all the way through Monday, September 25th. So the negotiations will include companies such as Activision, EA, Insomniac, WB Games. SAG-AFTRA is is aiming to secure protections against AI and wage increases of 11% retroactively to expiration, followed by 4% increases in the second and third years of the agreement. Similar to those who work under film and TV contracts, that are similar to those who work under film and TV contracts. There will be some other, uh, there are some other demands being made that include a set medic present for stunts or dangerous work performed, like on film or TV sets, and prohibitions against stunts on self-taped auditions, vocal stress protection, things like that. So, biggest, uh, the biggest sort of linchpin uh, to this, though, and has been central to most of these uh, of these strikes with the writers and the actors in the film industry has been AI. This is just the next natural evolution. Voice acting in particular, I think, is what a lot of people think of when they think of video games. I don't think people really consider mo capture as much as they should, which is a huge part of the industry, motion capture and stunt actors and, and folks who, who do those to make those video games come to life for us. This is just yet another step in, in what is already a known step to take place. Am I wrong here, Dave? No, and I think as far as the whole... Um... The whole side of things that can be impacted most by AI video games are naturally where you're going to get that hitting the hardest because, you know, <laughs> they're video games. It's computer generated worlds. It's it, it is. And, and so much like Tony and I like, you know, we love sports games and, and, you know, so much of that is AI driven and AI getting smarter and better as you go along. That that tells you how good is this game is by, you know, we're looking at how good is the AI? How well are they reacting? So. The fact that there is a concern about AI basically just, you know, wiping out this whole segment of the labor force in this industry, that's a really valid concern in, in this respect. And I think and it's probably the place where these guys have the least leverage because of the fact that right. you can get you can have AI come in and do all this stuff and no one's going to no one's going to be the wiser of it. Now, the motion cap, yeah, I hadn't considered that. Um, but that's that's a very valid salient point. It's like, well, you've got all these guys who are doing all this motion capture work. A lot of the stars and the voice actors, you know, especially the higher priced ones, they don't want to do that. I mean, like you see, like with WWE, a lot of the wrestlers will do their own mocap for that. Um, you know, how does that impact this whole thing? So I think, yeah, there if there's a segment of the industry that needs to be protected the most from just being taken advantage of through the use of AI, it is probably this segment here with the video game. Um, folks, Tony, your thoughts on this latest group of artists potentially going on strike as well. I mean, you could imagine the studios as the camel's back, um, and this being another, a big straw. So eventually it's going to happen. I I mean, maybe we're getting closer to that holiday kind of thing 
happening, hopefully, for everybody. You um, just you just want to be proven right at this point. No, You're just hoping you're proven honestly, right. Honestly, at this point, like you, you talk about all the people that are going to bat here and donating and everything else, and you think about the people that are living, like making, you know, not six figures, right? And just kind of trying to survive with their family and pay their bills. Let's get those people back to work, you know? I mean, it, it sounds it's it doesn't sound very it doesn't it doesn't sound a lot like capitalism but i don't want it to sound like communism either but let's pay the people what they need to be able to live right we got to find a balance here Ray, your thoughts on this latest strike possibility because it hasn't happened yet won't know until the 25th forgive my tangent but it don't make sense if you work in an office with let's say just for purpose of this conversation 10 people you all get paid about the same you all do the same things, but you all haven't been paid, haven't been paid fairly in a long time. And one person gets paid. You know the thought process of the other nine people are going to be, well, damn, I should get paid too. That another person gets their, their raise, the other people are going to be like, well, damn, it's my turn now. We have just reached a part of that conversation where the video game pe- people are coming up. And this is not, this is not a, a, a situation where one group of people has been preternaturally wrong this is a group of everybody's been wrong forever one group just finally decided to stand up about it and now that one group has felt emboldened enough to make everybody else feel more emboldened then other people decide to be more emboldened right and then the biggest dog who was the only one getting some scraps at the table decide well we're gonna stop to stand with the people who deserve to get paid finally you have the pressure alleviated from all these other people who haven't been getting paid or, or treated right in the longest. Just last week, we were talking about VX, VSX artists possibly going on strike. Now, video game people. This is not a sense of people being selfish. There's not a sense of people uh, taking advantage of the moment. This is all of these people have been underpaid, overworked, and underappreciated for decades. And finally, now they're deciding to do something about it because they have the opportunity to. So, am I surprised? Not one bit. Way overdue. Way overdue. Yeah. Well, and I want to get back to, so yeah, I 1,000% agree. Like, all of these folks have been marginalized for so long that it's, this This is a, we. T- I talked about this and we talked about this when this whole story started with the writer. We are facing a watershed moment in the entertainment industry. And this has really been the first time in a long time that a a serious line in the sand was drawn against the studios because they had to for the survival of their livelihood. And it's finally paying off. Um, and we're going to talk about that now because we're seeing the effects on the studio. Studios like Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. which is just like, we, you know, news came out this week. I can't, I think you may have shared this one, Ray, that, you know, they're suspending deals with Mindy Kaling, JJ yeah. Abrams, um, Bill Lawrence. Because of the writer strike, these content creators and writers, the dogs are really fired up about this today. They are really but upset, like yeah. they are. Well, I hear they I hear they were at the groomer. And so they they they're just back, they're feeling themselves, looking good, looking fine, and now they're like, stand with the writers. But um <laughs> but Warner Brothers is is putting deal putting these holds on or these deals on hold because they can't pay them. They can't pay them and, and the writers are on strike, so they're not going to pay them. The other side of this is this Warner Brothers company, the company that had one of its execs bragging about how the writer strike saved them money. 
did a little adjustment to their earnings report. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Went from saying that they were, um, let's see, company is expecting lower adjusted EBITDA for the full year in the range of $10.5 to $11 billion, reflecting the company's assumption that adjusted EBITDA will be negatively impacted by approximately $300 to $500 million, mm. prominently due to the impact of the strikes. So had to had to walk back. A little significant, huh? Seems like it's working. And that's why this report and the timing of this report is why, even though Dave put out a salt shaker gif like we put out a lot, this earnings report change by WV tells me that maybe studios are legitimately, legitimately ready to seriously negotiate an actual agreement because they're now having to, like, we're no longer being like, well, the strike saved us money. It's not. You've got the shit going on with Disney. You've got the shit going on with Warner Brothers Discovery. I think this is real now. I think that the studios really are legitimately ready to negotiate. And in this article that I shared with you guys that was published yesterday, like you've got execs saying something like they have to give more than usual to settle this negotiation and say, you know, other executives confessing to needing a deal badly on every single issue we are asking for. We have had at least one legacy studio executive tell us that they could accommodate it. That tells me, you know, with this earnings report shift that, you know, Warner Bros. Discovery did and just the general tenor of where things are right now. And let's be real, the court of public opinion regarding who's right. I think it's I think this this one might be real, guys. I do. I think this one might be a legitimate return to the negotiating table. Dave. I'll go to, actually, Tony, I'll go to you first, because I've had Dave go first. Uh, you can go first. Your comments on, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery cutting all these deals, adjusting their earnings report, and the possibility of going back to the bargaining table. I, I mean, I think we've talked about it once again beforehand, that a lot of these things are going to get adjusted on the fly because they're not necessarily telling the truth when they made all these deals, right? Um, I... <laughs> I, I'll just, I'm going to be brief because I think it's the same thing it, that that straw on that camel's back is getting heavier every time it happens. And I think Dave, you can probably attest to what I'm trying to say here again. Yeah. I, I mean, I suppose, you know, there's, there's reasons why there could be, it could be optimism that maybe the studios are now going to actually negotiate in good faith. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does keep building up. I mean, are the studios at the point now where they're going to capit- capitulate on a lot of these key points? I just don't see it. Um, will they get a better deal than last time where everybody walked out in 20 minutes? Probably. You know, you'll see this will be progressive. I think I, I, I don't see this ending before 2024. But I think at this point, anything that's progress would be welcome at this point. So I think maybe you'll see that. I wouldn't get too optimistic that there's going to be an end to this anytime soon. But, you know, if they're actually going to negotiate in good faith, that's a big step because up till now they've been full of shit on just about every front. So that's my thought. Again, I just think that, yeah, I think that this is a legit return to the bargaining table. That doesn't mean a deal is imminent, but I do think, you know, whether you want to say it's going to be in good faith or not, I think the execs, the studio executives, again, they're losing money. They're losing money and they're losing real money. and at some point you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start producing. Right. And I just kudos to the writers for standing their ground. 
you know, this report that I shared with you guys this morning, it also talks about, you know, how much they've, you know, people have really tightened their belts and been struggling to make it because of the strike and the income lost, but that they're sticking to it because they know they have to. So I'm, I'm optimistic that this at least gets something started. So that's, that's, I guess my kind of final, final thought on that uh, today. Um, any final thoughts on where we are with the strike right now before we, we wrap up episode 200? Let, nice. Well, gentlemen. Ray does. Oh, okay. go ahead. Go ahead, Ray. Oh, well. oh. oh I didn't notice, Ray. I honestly got it. I just didn't. No, no, it's all good. I just, final thought is I think P- Patrick makes the most sense in that I think this is absolutely a linchpin moment in that their eyes are opened, but it's still going to be a while before this thing is done because now they got to set the table and bargain. We know bargaining takes forever. So just because they right. may realize, yeah, we might be tripping on this, doesn't mean this is over for by the by a long shot. Very much so. Very true. All right, fellas. Well, here we are, out of the four OG, sitting at the end, looking out upon a landscape of a 200th episode for Bandwagon Nerds. I had no fancy, uh, I had no fancy music this time around. Uh, Tony, you'll probably appreciate this. There's nothing more Midwest than a dude who's like just another day, kind of like on your birthday. Like that's that's a very Midwest birthday just another day maybe you maybe have an extra beer but you know you don't always necessarily make a big production of it uh, i do want to say i still uh i still can't believe that uh this this show started as a one-off you know as a as kind of a just for fun sort of thing to do talking about avengers infinity war and, and what could happen at endgame and yet here we are 200 episodes later talking about a writer strike We've had bandwagon, sort of the core bandwagon group, change from time to time. We've had hosts come and go, but uh, but this show has has gone on and it's endured and it's you know been 200 episodes and that you know I want to just you know we have more episodes coming. Obviously, we're not going anywhere, but uh, you know to the three of you that are here on the show right now, just thank you so much for being such a big part of the show, for being an integral part of the show, whether it be yelling at each other over who's right or wrong. Me billing Ray. I only got to hundred. I only got six, right? So I uh, get you hundred ninety four somewhere else down the road. Dang it! Uh, to Tony driving me nuts because he says he's he's seen a movie and that grammar just drives me crazy. I I seen it kills me every time, but I love you for it. Your 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 microphone's up, so while you're silently protesting, what what am I supposed to say? I I have seen. If you're gonna use seen, I'm just airing all the dirty laundry out. You know, right now, like no. But, you know, we we fought, dogs have fought. Damn, the dogs are really mad. I'm sorry I threw shade at Tony about his grammar. Jeez, my bad. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. He can say that. It's fine. It's fine. My, my fault. My fault. My fault. No, no, no. I will I will stop. I will stop calling Tony out. Can I still call out Ray? Can I boo Ray? Yes, I can still boo Ray. Okay. So I'm going to do that. There we go. See, there. Oh, okay. They approved. Thank you. You're muted, buddy. It is a great point, we, and you're muted. Thank you. Can we take a moment to shout out the fifth, the fifth member of the bandwagon, the dogs? The dogs are a serious member of the bandwagon. They've been a big part of of our our podcasts for many, many occasions. And maybe, oh, that's all we had to do was we just had to give them a shout out. Now everything is well in the world. Well, my fault, dog. I, you know, to, to Dave, who uh, is you know currently managing those dogs. Uh, and we'll hear this when he listens to the playback. You know, it's just he's been the producer of the show 
really, honestly. Like, he does the post-production work. He's the one who's done a lot of the recordings. He's the one who has managed the ship while I'm still trying to get Greg DeMarco to fix my access to the damn website so that I can post things on the chair shot again. And, I, and again, not, not throwing shade in any direction, but Dave, who has done more episodes of Bandwagon Nerds than anybody else, and, and I don't think that record's ever going to be touched. It's not even particularly close. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great ride. So uh, thank you to Dave. Thank you, Tony and, and Ray for 200 episodes, man. Good work. Yeah, I, uh, Anyone I mean... <laughs> 200 episodes of this show i mean this this show is kind of the uh tony would agree the godfather of the entertainment prong of uh the chairshot.com i mean this is kind of the show that started it and then other things branched off from there and i'm i'm very proud of that we've uh i mean we've seen it all on this show i mean from from having to adjust to a pandemic that shut down this entire industry to coming back to changing perceptions as far as a lot of the stuff that we know and love um, you know, the show just keeps on chugging right along. And I think that's a testament to the great people that we have on here. PC Tony's def- definitely trying to challenge me for most episodes on the show, and that's fine. So Tony's now becoming the undertaker of this thing. Ray, of course, is uh wouldn't be bandwagon nerds without the Reverend Ray Cash and certainly you, Patrick. And you know, we joke around about you being a part-timer, but you are the the glue of this show. That's for sure. And um you know, if it wasn't for your off-the-wall trailers, man, what would we have to talk about, really? I mean, that would, that's that's the way it goes. So I, I'll, I'll have you know, I've been told that I make some of the best rundowns in the business. You so do. I got that going. You do. Absolutely. I've learned a lot from you. I went from not doing rundowns at all to now doing them just at the last second. So, you know. <laughs> there you go. I do them the night before. That's fair. You do. Um, can, can we talk about the fact that I appreciate that since the show is ran by a Midwesterner and Mr. Chairshot himself, Tony is also a Midwesterner that we kind of celebrated this major milestone in a Midwestern way. However, I am from the South. Dave is from the East and now West. We like to celebrate that. So I'm just saying, I'm a little disappointed because I wanted some pomp and circumstance. Well, I'm sorry. We, we just, we bring, we bring We we bring potato salad to a family gathering and break bread. Like that's what we do. Love. Potato See, look at him. He's like, I love potato salad. I had potato salad yesterday. DP threw a party. Right, you do, I had potato salad. Oh yeah, we had bread and sausage and cheese. Ray and, Ray and I are like potato salad. What? Uh, no, still okay. Still one of the greatest Saturday Night Lights skits of all time. Chadwick Boseman on Black Jeopardy as T'Challa talking about potato salad <laughs> and. And that uh, we we my, we bring something bland to a cookout like potato salad and put something like raisins in it. Like oh, doesn't yeah. make take those like, raisins no and take that potato no, salad. Yeah. Yeah, no, no spices. <laughs> I don't. We my I, my uh, my mom. I love my mom. I love Mama O'Dowd to death. The most bland, tasteless potato salad on it. Like just no taste, no flavor at all. Love you, mom. Don't make potato salad. Your potato salad sucks. Anyway. I'd also like to, to to point out that salt and pepper are not seasoning. There's many other seasonings besides salt and pepper. I use uh, I use that special special seasonal for my burgers, the little Lowry's stuff. That's seasoned salt. Oh, Lowry's works. Lowry's works. Yeah, some Tony Saturdays, you know, some little little dab of do you. Yeah, that works. Yeah, sorry, I know how to grill. Just throw some greasy uh, formula in there, Ray. Wow, man, look at you. Oh gosh. 
<laughs> good times, good times. So, happy gentlemen, 20, happy 200th, yeah. Happy 200th. Raise your glasses to yourselves. Celebrate yourselves. My glass is empty and some more water, but here's to us 200 episodes. Thank you, everyone. All right, now that I've not drank any water because that glass is empty, but I, I did the motion so that y'all knew that I toasted as well. Um, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for 200 listens. Continue to listen for 200 more. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Before we go, as we always do, tell everybody where they can find us uh, or find you on the socials and on the Chair Shot Radio Network. We will start this week with Raymond S. Cashington, Esquire the 36th. You know, y'all know where I'm at. I'm at It's Ray Cash, R-A-Y's and Mysterio, C-A-S-H, as in dollars. But take all your follows from me, for Patrick, for Dave, and for Tony, and go to Bandwagon Nerds and, and follow us. Follow 200, dog. That means a lot of work we're putting out for y'all. So go follow us. Talk to us. Let us know what you want to hear. Interact. Pay us. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, listen. Pay us is right, Ray. You had it right pay the us. first time. Pay us. I'm down. I'm down with pay us. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll roll over to the man with the longest existing bandwagon nerds on air streak currently, Mr. PC Tunney. I, I rarely ever talk about the fact that I like try to, you know, get this network in line and make it nice and everything else. But this show and, and I think, and I know, I don't think I know Patrick and Dave know how much of a supporter I am of this show. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an excellent concept and it's executed wonderfully and like you guys said the personalities that have been on this show are just a beautiful snapshot of what uh the chair shot and chair shot radio network is all about so i appreciate you guys and that's why i show up every week because i love hanging out and i love what we do here and um we do a great job and and in large part besides people like me and ray and everybody else that's been on today um, Patrick and Dave have a, have a huge are a huge passion for this and and are very knowledgeable and very willing to teach people too as well. So um, the acceptingness of this show is is wonderful. In addition, so one of the best parts of Chairshot Radio Network. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate you, Mr. Lawyer. It's ironic how Tony said we're willing to teach people because that was kind of the general concept of the show when it first started was to teach non-nerdy people about nerdy stuff and then it just kind of blossomed from there and uh yeah i think you know shout out and thank you to the guests that we had on here today who all of them have been such an integral part to 200 episodes christopher platt the scientist dpp even the little o'dowd you know although he was too interested in clicking cookies that's you know he's of that age sign of the he's sign of the yeah. sign of the future yeah he's the future of the show he'll be doing this long after we're gone so Although he'll probably have better stuff. He said, I ain't doing that stuff. But anyway, um, it's been, it's been a great ride. 200 episodes. Uh, that's a, that's a major accomplishment. You know, very few shows last to hundred, let alone 200. And it's been a fun ride. So you can follow me on Twitter at attitude ag or X or whatever it is. Facebook.com slash attitude of aggression threads. I'll add it this time, Pat at attitude of aggression, all one word. And of course, even though he said he turns his notifications off, if you've got stuff that you hate about this show, I have 200 episodes of frustration, 200 episodes of oppression, whatever the case may be, send your hate tweets to at it's me DPP. He won't hear him, but still Tony, why does he deserve him? I'll turn him on. Cause fuck that guy. Thank you. All right. As Raymond S. Cashington gets ready to protest my oppression. Once again, you of course can follow me at wrestling realist on the X Twitter 
at W-R-A-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also follow me at the same moniker on both Instagram and threads. Be sure to also follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds, just like it's spelled. That's going to do it. Well, okay. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I think that's the kind of the last thing I want to say is just thank you because of the folks that listen to this program. And I know that there are more than 27 of you, even though we joke about 27 of you. Tony, Tony has shown the metrics. It might be 29, however many it is. Uh, we love doing this for the folks that listen to this show. We love being able to have all sorts of fun, whether it be our squabbles, be muting, you know, muting Christopher Platt or booing Ray Cash, calling Tony out for his poor grammar, or making fun of Dave because he's old. I do it all, and I know you guys appreciate every bit of who we are and what we do. Thank you so, so much for listening. That's going to do it for this week's edition of The Bandwagon. Now, get yourself out of the band, get some sun, and then come back and listen to 200 more because we're going to have more of them for you. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.